Chair, staff is ready when you are. Thank you very much. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to the November 2nd, 2023 at 5.30 p.m. Parks and Community Enrichment Commission. The meeting is now called to order. Will the clerk please call the roll to establish a quorum? Thank you, Chair. Commissioners, please unmute. Commissioner Gain? Gaines? Yes. Oh, sorry. I'm not used to being first. Present. Thank you. I'm not sure why you're first on my list. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, Commissioner Boone will be absent tonight. Commissioner Flores? Present. Uh, Commissioner Ford? Present. Commissioner Good will be absent tonight. Commissioner Herman? Present. Um, Commissioner Kangas? Present. Commissioner King? Uh, is absent tonight. Commissioner Liu? Present. Commissioner Robbins? Present. And Chair Vasquez? Present. Thank you. We have quorum. Thank you. I'd like to remind the members of the public in chambers that if you'd like to speak on an agenda item, please turn in a speaker slip when the item begins. You'll have two minutes to speak once you're called on. And after the first speaker, we will no longer accept speaker slips. And we'll now proceed with today's agenda. Will you please rise to join me for the land acknowledgement in honor of Sacramento's indigenous people? For the original people of this land, the Nisanan people, the Southern Maidu, Valley and Plains, Miwok, Patwin, Wintun peoples, and the people of Wilton Rancheria, Sacramento's only federally recognized tribe. May we acknowledge and honor the native people who came before us and still walk beside us today on these ancestral lands by choosing to gather together today in the active practice of acknowledgement and appreciation for Sacramento's indigenous people's history, contributions, and lives. Thank you. Please remain standing for the Pledge of Allegiance. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the Republic for which it stands, one nation under God, indivisible with liberty and justice for all. Thank you, you may be seated. I do have a slight change to the agenda today. Um, I will be adding back in public comment. So you may uh, do public comment at the end if you wish to. Clerk, and that one's for you. Okay, and before we get started today, we have a departure of one of our commissioners that I would like to acknowledge. Uh, Commissioner Rita Gardo Good has stepped down from her role, and she has some words that she would like for me to share with everyone uh, to say goodbye. So I'm going to read it into record, please. Dear Parks and Community Enrichment colleagues, department leaders, and staff, I am sorry I could not join this evening since I am attending a work conference at Sonoma State University and representing the California State University system. It is important to me to have the opportunity to say thank you for your commitment to public service, park services and programs, and the quality of parks in the city of Sacramento. Thank you for the opportunity to partner with you and your districts over the past six years to get good work done. During this time, we have implemented meaningful programs and strategies to continue the well-being of our communities and neighborhoods and provided recognition of volunteers and organizations who have worked by our sides to better where we live, work, and play. 
I'm extremely grateful to see the diversity on our commission grow exponentially over the past six years and to see how we've uplifted youth to have a voice, literally, at our dais. The ability of our commission to meet and listen to our youth and their innovative ideas in 2020 and 2021 was innovative and exhibited authentic leadership in our region. They are our future. Again, from the bottom of my heart, thank you for your collaboration and partnership. I will sincerely miss working with you. Rita Gallardo Good, Mayor's appointee. So now that we've shared that, um, we'll be inviting uh, Ms. Good back in January maybe to honor her and we can all say some words and thank her for her service at that time. So now we're going to pass the consent calendar. Are there any members of the public who wish to speak on the consent calendar? Thank you, Chair. There are no speakers for this item. Are there any commissioners who would wish to speak on the consent calendar? Is there a motion and a second to pass the consent calendar? Second. Thank you. I have a motion by Commissioner Kangas and a second by Commissioner Ford. All in favor say aye. 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 Opposed? Any abstentions? Thank you. The motion passes. We'll now proceed to the discussion calendar, and item number two is the fiscal year 2023 Youth Workforce Development Programming. Is there a staff presentation? Good evening, commissioners and city staff. My name is Chris Wimberly, and I am the Recreation Superintendent um, supporting operations within the YPSI Youth Workforce Development Unit. We're really excited to be here tonight, and we're hoping that we're able to shed some light on some of the operations that are taking place within the youth division and the workforce development unit. So tonight, we're gonna to highlight fiscal year 23, and I just wanna say, let's get it started. So as it says, more to come. So I wanna highlight some of the amazing activities that we provide within the Youth Workforce Development Programming. Um, the goal of the Youth Workforce Development Unit is to empower young people with knowledge, resources, and opportunities that support them gaining fundamental skills needed when seeking current and future employment. It may be with the city or it may be with outside entities, but our goal is to have them ready for the workforce. Through actively engaging programming, young people practice newly acquired skills in a safe and in supportive environment. Adult caretakers and peer-to-peer -peer leaders support youth by coaching and mentoring them, encouraging and guiding them to successfully navigate school, community, life choices, and day-to-day -day challenges. Programming is grounded in supporting youth in their, fun in their development through the five fundamental pathways of youth development including safety, relationship building, youth participation, community involvement, 
and skill building. Early adult outcomes for youth participants include education, economic self-sufficiency, healthy family and social relationships, as well as positive contributions to our communities. Tonight we share with you the faces and voices of those that represent the Yipsy Youth Workforce Development Unit programming that we believe reflects a cradle to career pathway concept. We begin with our Young Leaders of Tomorrow program or affectionately called YLOT. Good evening, my name is Ken McCullum, Program Supervisor with the Workforce Development Unit. Um, Young Leader of Tomorrow, we brought this program back in the fall of uh, 22 um, after COVID. Um, so we thought that an opportunity. This program is our starting block, as you saw before, um, into our cradle, cradle to career plan within our divi division, our unit. Um, the youth in our program, they conduct an interview with a person in the community that they feel is a leader they look up to. And they use that also in the program where they present to the crowd as a community service, I mean, as a public service component of the program. So. The Primetime Team Program provides, provides the fundamentals for the young adults to know when, when and what they need to know before they start out in the workforce. One of the components of our program, uh, the Primetime Team Program, is a community service project. Some of the projects in the last fiscal year has been working with our S local SPCA. They did a homeless awareness campaign. They created a rock garden at the Sam and Bonnie Pennell Community Center. They were cleaning and assisting the front uh, street shelter, animal shelter, and they did a Colton sweater drive out at the South Natomas uh, Community Center. I would like to introduce Raven Carlson to speak about her experience in the Primetime Team Program. Thank you. Hello, my name is Raven Carlson. I'm from District 1, and I'm here to speak about Primetime Teen. Primetime Teen was a pretty cool experience in my opinion. It was all about jobs, money management, and dressing well. The day we got into budgeting and planning for the future, it was like a fast track to adulthood. And let me tell you, I picked up some very valuable life lessons. I found out that having kids can be crazy expensive. I mean, they're like money-eating machines. <laughs> Diapers, toys, college funds, you name it, they'll drain your bank account. So I thought maybe I should hold off on the whole parenting gig and enjoy my cash a little longer. Primetime Teen is like a handbook for us kids, helping us get ready for being adults. If you're a young person like me and want to be well prepared for what's to come, I totally recommend this program. Thank you for your time. Good evening, everyone. Uh, my name is David Gaines. I am the uh, program supervisor overseeing the North Area Operations for Landscape and Learning. Uh, as you see in the slide, Landscape and Learning, we are a work-based program, uh, really um, work-based program that utilizes the uh, youth development model. The five supports and opportunities are really entrenched in our program. Uh, we create a safe workspace for all our young people um, to provide that first job experience um, because the, you, all the youth that are hired with our program, they are actually City of Sacramento employees. So they go through our rigorous uh, employment process uh, that all city employees go through. And 
Um, they go through the interview, they go through applications, they go through the whole thing um, in order for them to be hired for our program. And like I said, the work-based uh, work program, they actually do work out in the parks, um, doing a variety of different projects uh, in collaboration with park supervisors. Uh, a lot of the parks and areas they work at are within their community um, from where the districts and where they live. Um, and so just that opportunity to really get back as a first job experience and also give them that introduction to what it's like to have a job. Uh, what's it like to wake up in the morning after you've been at school all week and having to come on the weekend uh, when it's cold, rainy outside or when it's hot. Like it teaches them those, you know, having to build that strong worth ethic uh, that we have within our program. And so with our program, we collaborate with a lot of different um, other youth programs, city programs. Um, we've done Earth Day out in the parks um, for our spring season. Um, for the summer, we have worked with our youth, um, youth, enrich or youth enrichment program um, with Summer at City Hall. We've done a collaboration with them where we've done some work. Um, and also it's just about, and also we've worked with uh, Camp Sacramento going up there, helping them open their camp uh, during the spring season, um, really getting our youth the exposure to see there's other opportunities, other programs within the city. That is a key part of our work program besides the working that's our connection to other programs within the city. Um, and so our opportunity that we have with a lot of our youth and our young people that we have, they've done LNL for multiple seasons. And so we were able to secure some funding through Californians for All um, to be able to have some extra, some positions that are for some of our youth that are been with us more seasons uh, to be able to utilize them in a leadership capacity, which is a peer-to-peer -peer out in the parks um, with our crew leaders and our mentors that we have. Um, so it's a great opportunity that we were able to have this upcoming uh, season. And so I would like to introduce you to one of our youth that is currently serving with us. Good evening, everyone. My name is Michael Holmes. I am from the District 5, and I am 17 years old, and I attend Sac High Charter School as a senior. I work for the City of Sacramento Landscape and Learning Youth Program as a general intern. I am very grateful and humbled to be chosen to speak to you all today. I started working for the LNL program in the summer of 2022. I found out about this program from my barber. He passed out flyers to all the young people he knew. He said I was the only one who took the opportunity, applied, and got the job. To this day, I still thank him because this program has taken me farther than I could have ever imagined. It also got me a free haircut. <laughs> <laughs> Going through the hiring process, I was nervous because this was my first time being in a professional interview and this was and still is my first and only job I have ever had. What I learned from this program is how to work in any weather conditions and how to work as a team in learning tools that require basic skill. I know the importance of getting good rest so that I can come to work on time and give my best. And because of that discipline in the two years I've been here, I've never missed a day of work. My mother always told me if you are early, you're on time. And if you are on time, you are late. And if you are late, why bother? All these learning tools that I have gained through my job have grown me in so many ways. That is why I decided to return to this program this summer as a youth aide. After working for the summer in a youth aide, a big opportunity has come to, for me to become a general intern. My job is to work alongside the crew leader and ensure the safety of the youth aides, to not only work with but guide them to use the different tools properly and uplift each other as well as grow stronger as a team. Nevertheless, in my time working for this program, I have learned to do hands-on work and to communicate effectively with others. Moreover, I also learn and respect others' cultures, backgrounds, diversity, 
and individual differences. I cannot finish my speech without giving a shout out to my amazing supervisors, Ms. Angelia Manuel and Mr. David Gaines, as well as my awesome coordinators, Ms. Rosa and Mr. Matt. Of course, I'm not going to forget about the supportive people that stay behind the scenes who make this program happen, Ms. Chris. Overall, the LNL program for me is a beneficial program, not only for the community, but also for the young adults that get to work here. Because LNL provides teenagers a meaningful job that is to beautify the community parks and respect the community and the people in it. In the end, thank you for all giving me such an amazing opportunity to share my thoughts and experiences about the Landscape and Learning Youth Program. I wish you all a wonderful night. Good evening. I'm Angela Emanuel, and I am the South Air Program Supervisor. He kind of chokes me up because he's mine. <laughs> Um, the LNL crew um, leaders were hired at the age of 21 to be mentors to support our youth working in our program and also are trained as youth developers. Many of our crew leaders are also city employee, city um, residents as well, living in the city of Sacramento. I would like to introduce you to one of our crew leaders on. Good evening, everyone. My name is On. Um, I am a crew leader at um, landscape and learning program and also from district seven um, this is an honor for me to be here to share with you my experience and my feeling about LNL um, before joining the LNL program I actually worked as a recce um, for a star program for a few years when I was in uh, college um, I have known about LNL program through my siblings they used to be uh, youth a uh, they have told me a lot good thing about LNL program that sparked my interest to join the NL family. Um, they told me that um, they make a lot of friends. They learn a lot about using the garden, um, the garden tools safely and working as a team. I can see how much they grew um, while they um, joining the program. They're more independent, they are competent, and they, are, they, they make a lot of friends. So I decided to join NL in the fall of 2019 and this year fall 2023 marked my fourth year anniversary with LNL program you may wonder why I, why I stay with LNL so long well let me share with you <laughs> I love the supportive informative and comfortable envi environment that my supervisor Angelia and David as well as my lovely coordinator Ms. Uh, Rosa and um, Matt that bring to me I really love my coworker who have the unique experience that willing to share not only with me and uh, also the youth A as well. At the best part about NL is every season I get to work with uh, different youth A from different background and um, cultures. Um, they make me they make me feel that my job is not limited in training them how to use uh, tools safely, um, how to use body mechanics to avoid injury when they're getting old. Um, more than that, I feel like I can use my experience throughout um, my college time, like I can help them with um, college application, interview tips, and um, how to build a good resume. Um, I love about LNL when um, every single week we have a weekly theme that um, focus about work skill that will 
uh, hopefully help them for their future career. Um, at LNL, the youth A uh, also can't also gain the leadership skill by they basically leading their their own assignments. They input their ideas, suggestion, and help guide and support the crew leader um, and their teammate. The best part of working for LNL is seeing my youth A grow and move on to their future. I feel happy knowing my my youth A successfully graduated from. Um, high school and got accepted to college. They're, um, they're successful. Uh, remind me that I would be able to guide them, pos um, guide them in the positive way. Therefore, thank you everyone who make this program possible for me and the youth A. Lastly, thank you for giving me such an incredible uh, opportunity to speak out and I hope that you have a fantastic night. Hello. <laughs> uh, the Junior Rec program, this program is designed to prepare young adults 15 to 17 years of age for the entry level within our department as a recreation aid. Uh, through, this, through the eight-week program, we give the youth and the young adults the opportunities to learn how to teach and play activities that they can implement at the program site that they're enrolled in. Um, the program is run earlier in the year to coincide with the heavy recruitment in, in March, April for you know, the summer program. The program ends right before that, so that they, they get moved right into the position there. Uh, and the, at, the end of, at the end of the program, the participants walk away with a binder full of activities, games, and projects that, to help them assist with planning at the location they're hired. In the past year, we had over 11 uh, junior rec participants hired within our department, either at Fort Thar, um, our expanded learning programs, Camp, Camp Sacramento Aquatics, or our community center staff. Our WIOA program, is um, a, fund, a, a grant funded program through SETA. Uh, we have, the, for the past year, we've had you know, 16 youth. Um, we partnered with the Sacramento Youth Fire Academy, community centers, local schools, local businesses provide work experience for these 16 youth. And we, um, in the process of some youth not being able to, uh, uh, not be able to complete the city hiring process, we were able to provide a work, a virtual stipend based program so they could participate in the program. Uh, we had like uh, three youth to participate in that. At this time, I'd like to introduce Kimberly Ordonez to speak on her WIO experience and how it helped her with her career goal. Hi, good evening. Thank you guys for having me. Uh, my name is Kimberly Ordonez from District 8, and I'd like to share with you guys my story and how it has helped me so much into the place I am in now. The face of our future involves youth positions because of lack of support or knowledge. Luckily, my future was set at a younger age thanks to my support system that I had with the city of Sacramento. During the course of my senior years, when I found out about the WIOA through the Sacramento Fire Youth Academy, uh, my experience was great, whether it was getting advice from my mentors, Ken and Bougette, or whether it was help with my interviews and resume building. Going to the certain extent of making sure that I have my professional attire and making sure that my rest of my peers had the same as I did. These, source, these resources are something that many students don't know, but should. Around, the year, around this year, in April, is when I found out about the Sacramento Fire Department's EMS training position. 
I'm 17 years old right now, and I was lucky enough to get a position working as an EMS trainee for the fire department. It was an insane background process. It was, it was very rigorous. Um, and I had the great support from my mentors, whether it was for my interview prep or to help me build my resume since I'm a high school senior, I didn't know. Uh, the odds of me getting this opportunity were very slim. I was up against 100 for the other applicants, and I was lucky enough to get the position myself. The day of my oral panel interview, hours before, I was practicing and practicing, making sure I had the whole interview down. Brigitte was the person that helped me to prepare for my interview, asking me questions that may be on my oral panel, and giving me tips on how to remain calm and remain stuttering and fidgeting. Once I heard that I got accepted into the internship, I was insanely happy, and my mentors in the program were one of the first people to find out about my success. I'm grateful for everyone I have met in this program, and if it wasn't for them, I wouldn't know what I'd be doing right now. Thank you for your time. What you have in front of you is basically a summary of what our programming, the number of sessions, our youth engagement, our total numbers, we broke it down for you all um, per council district, and then the total number of hours that our program participants or the youth aides that we have hired to be part of our programs were available and in a safe space, in an enriched environment to where they knew that they can be their authentic self they knew that they were able to have peer mentors or adult caretakers believing in them. You saw tonight the value that these programs have, not just within what we see within YPSI, but with what you see within your communities. These are the youth that are in your districts that you're making decisions for. So I just want to take an opportunity to show you what the total youth investment is for fiscal year 23 within our programs. We're close to a million dollars investing cash in hand either by stipend or hourly wage or if it's supportive services as Kimberly noted that within WIOA the supportive services include being able to go out and assist them with purchasing professional clothing for interviews. A million dollars were so close that these young people that are here tonight are part of that success. Right now we're on track for just from our summer, our first quarter, we're almost half a million dollars. So we're excited to see what fiscal year 23 is going to bring, not just to the youth here, but to our communities. So at this time, I would like to ask all of our youth participants 
staff aides, youth aides, and crew leaders to please stand. And I want to thank you all and congratulate you for being part of the City of Sacramento Youth Workforce Development Programming. So can we please give them a round of applause? You guys can have the seat now. And I'd also like to acknowledge the family and friends and the supporters that have come here tonight with their young person. If you can also please stand. Don't be afraid, they did it too. <laughs> we continue to strive to have young people able to experience these programs. And we greatly appreciate the support that PCEC provides on a regular basis. Coming to do mock interviews, coming to do actual interviews for landscape and learning. So thank you so much for your support. So we are here to answer any questions that you may have. Thank you. The one answering the questions will come back on up. Do I think have any, you have some public comment. Yes. Yeah. Do we have any members of the public who would wish to speak on this item, please? Thank you, Chair. Yes, there are four speakers for this item. The first speaker will be Devin. Good afternoon, Commissioners. My name is Devin Ram. Um, I'm currently in Sacramento City College, and I had the pleasure to work for the LNL program. Um, it just started from I got out of class, and Ms. Angelia Manuel was hosting an actual event. And what actually caught me by surprise was um, I actually volunteered for communities when I was a younger kid. So to have the opportunity to be a crew leader to further empower uh, youth was actually really, really amazing, as well as I was looking for a second job on the weekends to be able to support my educational goal. So being able to, number one, work for the city, be able to work with youth, as well as provide a good enrichment environment has been really, really good. Um, I've recently just started about two weeks ago. So far, as have, it has been my, the most fun job I've ever had, being able to work with the youth as well as like further impact their first like, experience in the workforce. A lot of the youth that are coming to our program uh, this is their first job, so we are their first um, experience with management, with the actual job, as well as the actual work environment. So it's very important for us as crew leaders to be able to show them the right way. And uh, one thing I like about this program is every week we have a new goal, as well as a new topic to talk about. So I believe last week was communication. So we would read them a couple of scenarios where um, it would just show them a couple of scenarios in the actual workforce and what to do and actually how they're able to be able to handle it. Um, and that just shows them like certain communication tactics that you can use in the actual workforce to be able to drive good results. And um, with that program, I just feel like I'm making an actual impact in our community as well as with the youth. So I wanted to thank, uh, thank you guys to be able to uh, take the time to listen to what I have to say. And I hope you guys have a good night. Thank you. Thank you for your comments. Our next speaker will be Selena. Hi, good evening, everyone. So I'm actually Selena Vang from District 
eight, and I'm a general intern for the LNO program. And actually, when I first started this, I would say I was really scared, timid, and like very shy youth aid. But being able and to be in this um, program, it really helped me with my leadership skills, my confidence, and even just I found my new passion, which is really learning about the youth and helping them throughout their journey. And to add on to that, I really love working with the youth too because um, it really brought me a new eye to like all the youth and how everybody comes from different perspectives, different backgrounds and their ethnicities and their sense of humor, even like their, how they like work together and the, seeing them bond together, it really warms my heart. So that's one reason why I really love working with the youth and I really hope that I get to stay in this youth development for probably a lot of my life, so yeah. And that's all, I hope you guys have a great evening. Thank you. Your comments. Our next speaker is Jamie or Jaime. Uh, hello, good afternoon. I'm Jaime Gonzalez. I'm a crew leader for LNO. Uh, got hired shortly earlier this year. Uh, my experience uh, with this program, I got offered by one of my family members. I applied and it initially started as like a part-time job for the weekends, uh, something to keep me occupied. Um, and little by little, it kind of turned into something that I joined or enjoyed a lot. I uh, previously never really felt any jobs where well, I would just go to work. Uh, this is a job that I felt that was the first time it was actually gratifying working with the youth, um, seeing them first start up on the weekends, during the summer, uh, working with a lot more, and uh, actually noticing the impact that you make on their lives, getting to know them personally, the day to day, what they go through, um, and how do they balance, they balance their school and their work. Uh, I live in District 2. We also, those are areas that we service as well. And I feel like it's something that's very important. It gives a community um, an identity. Uh, a lot of these, uh, the youth sometimes come from single parent households. And these are opportunities, programs like this give them the opportunity that maybe their house doesn't offer and uh, gives them uh, more of a path or structure for them to potentially in the future turn into something bigger or develop themselves early. Uh, I truly believe that a job like this or a program like this um, promotes uh, effort or promotes, I would say, uh, sorry, I'm off the spot, uh, or it values work ethic. And that's something that I personally identify with as well with my parents that was brought into myself. And uh, with working with all the youth, I feel like uh, that's something that I like to impose on them and it can only benefit. And will this, I feel like this program serves a purpose. Thank you. Thank you for your comments. Our last speaker will be Christine. Good evening, everyone. Um, my name is Christine. I'm not a worker, um, but I am a proud parent um, of my son, Michael Holmes. Um, I know this program has been something that has really shaped Micah, given him uh, a work ethic, something to be proud of, his contribution. Um, and I know that it's a really good program. I am also uh, the product of a youth program when I was with the JTPA program and with the SETA program. So I know that these programs really do help our youth. It gives them um, foresight, 
to be able to get in and see how it is to work in a team, to be a leader amongst yourself and amongst the people, to really take those skills and be able to hone it into the next level. Um, I've been able to work with the state and I've been there over 20 something years. So I know that I appreciate that I, my job was at the age of 14. So yeah, so I know that from there, being able to have those skills, I got that at a young age and it was through a youth, youth program. So I'm really proud of my son. I'm really proud of what I'm seeing from him. And I think that it can only get better. And the youth that we are given this opportunity, they have an opportunity within the city of Sacramento. They have an opportunity to see that the fruits of their labor that they're putting forth in their community that they're now taking pride with and having a respect for that environment and also for the people who put them there. So thank you so much for this opportunity. Thank you for your comments. Chair, there are no other speakers for this item. Thank you. Do I have any commissioners who would like to speak on this item? Commissioner Robbins. Yes, I just want to thank you guys for all your hard work. Uh, I'm a constant, I mean, well, I will be uh, interviewing again for you guys. I really appreciate that and just uh, really warms my heart to see you guys out here. And I just had a question for everybody out there. Did you guys have fun? You could do better than that. Did you guys have fun? Yes. Yeah, that's what I like. That warms my heart. So I can't wait to be working for one of you guys, all of you, one day. Keep up the good work. Thank you guys. Amazing stuff. Thank you. Commissioner Ford. Just thank you so much for your leadership and your participation and your drive. Um, so humbled to um, have all of you speak and present on what you're doing for the city. So just be very proud of the work that you're doing. Thank you. Commissioner Flores. Uh, thank you, everybody, for coming, especially who spoke this evening. I, I wrote down Raven, Michael, On, Kim, David, Selena, Jaime, and Miss Christine in the back. Uh, I know it's not easy to public speak in front of folks. Uh, I think it was uh, Selena that says, I I'm shy, and then... And then I did this program and now I'm out there. And then you can just tell, just even speaking in these two minutes, how impactful and how being out there, uh, how one grows from that. Um, you know, as I was hearing everything tonight, um, there's, uh, this is one of my favorite presentations in the year, uh, seeing the youth and hearing all the successes that come from uh, the LNL program, Primetime Teen, and, and what we were presented to. But uh, I, I work for the state of California and the California Workforce Development Board, right? And we, we're the state agency that receives the, the federal WIOA dollars, right? And so we're the state agency that then passes through to... Um, to workforce boards and entities like SETA, right? So this is like, I see it from the state to the federal level and then see it here at the local level uh, in this capacity. And then you can just see the impact it has when you actually pass through those dollars and it goes directly to the folks, especially goes directly to you and your presentation. And, um, and, and then that leads to that, that next opportunity. Uh, when, she, when Kim said about supportive services and, and, and that coaching, and, uh, and, and, and wardrobe, I, at the California Workforce Development Board, I run programs that supportive services is that, 
we, we pay evaluators to evaluate the, the, the magnitude of said supportive services when a person gets that job. And it, it's not, when a person gets that job, how important supportive services was in a statistical significant fashion. But to see, but sometimes that's just data and numbers, right? But when you actually see it tangibly in, in, a, in a form like this, that just, you know, warms my heart. So, and then to kind of answer that question in public service, where does this lead? Well, there's agencies out there that will help, you can help spread those dollars to help out the next set of youth, the next crop of youth uh, out there. So I was also future thinking that part too. It's like, this can be a career in public service with the appropriate agency. So just, you know, you guys are awesome. So thank you. And just to advise our WIOA program, um, during fiscal year 23, we were approved for 16 um, youth aids, or through our stipend program, we actually doubled that for our current fiscal year and the next four this year and the three years after that to 32 participants. So we appreciate the fact that there has been funding that acknowledges the work in which we have been doing within WIOA, and we're being rewarded with that by doubling our numbers. Thank you, Chris. Mm-hmm. Vice Chair Gaines. Thank you. Um, so I had a quick question. With the um, Young Leaders of Tomorrow primetime team and WIOA, are those, um, are those through the community centers, or is that where, like, the youth gather? So WIOA, um, we may hold trainings at a community center, but their work placement may be at a community center. It may be at a nonprofit. It could be, um, like, Kimberly was part of the Youth Fire Academy. So there's various locations where the work pl placement may happen. Um, primetime teens, junior rec aid, and young leaders of tomorrow, we have programming at the various community centers throughout the city. Mm -hmm. um, we have 20 cohorts that were during fiscal year 23. Um, this current fiscal year, we have added, we're still at 20 cohorts, but we have had sessions at the North Natomas Community Center um, during fiscal year 23, that facility hadn't opened yet, and we also recently had one at Clooney. So we try to spread it out as far as we can throughout the city. Um, we're looking at, for fiscal year 25, um, including uh, Johnston Community Center, which is going back online for um, programming, uh, along with our goal of having one at Bell Coolidge Community Center, because as of right now, um, Bell, the District 7 has not had programming in that district, so we're really trying to look and make sure we can get some type of programming at that community center. So we're at all eight council districts throughout our uh, fiscal years. Excellent. Um, and I just think what's so important about that, um, there's the direct investment, like, I'm sorry, 10 to 12 year olds getting $350. I'm like, hey, oh, like, that's awesome. Like, there's this direct, like, cash piece. There's mm -hmm. the work ethic piece. There's the, um, mentorship piece, but I really think like the community ownership that these youth have an opportunity to have, because one, whether if you're doing L&L and you're in the parks, you feel ownership. Because let me tell you guys, after 916 day, someone tagged my park that I painted and I was mad. Like <laughs> that is my park now because I painted for an hour. So I know that you guys have that same ownership of the parks and for the programs that are working in the community centers, being able to see all that happens there that you feel like that is home now because you have spent you know that good six to eight week chunk and now you're more likely to tell your friends so i just think that's such a huge part this ownership that now what was it 
701 young people just in one year have of the space you know that they that they live in so um, I just wanted to highlight that I think that's really great and um, shout out to all of you who I recognize from um, 916 day thanks again for coming to help out at my park <laughs> yeah so next when we do our presentation uh, next year in November we will highlight the 916 day programming that we did with all of you at your sites along with Earth Day so with our general interns that we now have on board we will have 10 of them at that point our goal is to have our Earth Day project really planned and coordinated and put together by these general interns. Identifying the park, what is the project, and being that lead. Because that's really what this is about. It's about us guiding and supporting and mentoring, but it's about young people stepping up, uplifting their voice, and being part of the solutions. There's been too long where um, the, the seen and not heard no longer should exist. So that is really a fundamental goal that this team has, bringing youth to the table and being part of the solutions and listening. Bravo, well done. That's a really, um, I really appreciate your fun videos. They're very engaging and I think it really um, adds that feel that you have, which is this very gung-ho, cohesive, um, energy right you need energy to go out and do the work that you're doing that's some high energy work you know i've mulched alongside of you i've volunteered alongside of you i'm glad to see you all are working now and have gone through that process i've planted trees with a lot of you and i see you i see you moving up from volunteers to employees and i can't wait to see where you go farther so thank you for making that connection thank you for everyone who spoke um, if you were nervous i would have no idea um, you did a wonderful job, and I'm really grateful for all of you sharing your time with us today. Um, I want to celebrate you and honor you, and I would like to take a picture with you if you wouldn't mind. How about you all come up on here and uh, take a picture right here? Does that sound good? Yeah, come on up, everybody. No. I was just lazy. I had a long day. Go, Thank you so much for all that you do. 
You're free to join us and stay as we talk about a new park that's being proposed, or you can get back home to your lives and your families. It's up to you. You can stay and participate, or you may um, go at, at 619 on a weeknight. So it's up to you. But thank you all for being here tonight. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. 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 All right, our next item, item number three, is the 21st Avenue site plan. Do we have a staff presentation, please? Um, good evening, uh, commissioners and uh, city uh, staff. Uh, my name is Dennis Day. I'm a landscape architect with the City of Sacramento um, Youth Community Enrichment um, Department. Let's see. So um, let's see. I've been tasked with uh, developing a master plan for this 21st Avenue Park. And as you can see, this is the first slide, and it gives you the context location map where the park is located. Um, you can see uh, 21st Avenue is the existing street, street median. Um, you can tell um, right where that is. Um, and so the city is working with Public Works um, to develop a park in a neighborhood that's deficient on parks. Um, so we took this opportunity to work with Public Works there. They have a project to um, convert an existing median. Their existing median right now is uh, landscape um, turf under mature trees and then the widest section is about uh, 100 feet wide and the narrow section um, it's about half that width um, overall it's uh, approximately a mile length um, our previous uh, parks uh, manager had had uh, proposed the project uh, identifying two uh, city park parcels excuse, or street median parcels to, to become city parks um, that would be approximately uh, 3.25 acres um, if they become parks. Um, so um, let's go to the next slide. All right, um, I don't know if you can see this very clearly, but um, these are the two park sites parcels that are identified up on the top. Um, if you could see how on your report, but the site is bounded by 21st Avenue on both sides of the site. And um, it's one, one end of the site is 60th and the other is 64th. So we'll be taking roughly two parcels of an existing street median and converting it to a public park. Um, we started our project by um, having a community um, outreach survey, um, one survey monkey. It was posted for approximately three weeks. Um, it, the, it closed on June 20th. Um, we received quite a number of responses, about 330 responses. And um, these slides, if you, if you could actually see them, they represented eight questions. And on this slide, there was four. Um, so we basically wanted to know what, if the community sub supported identifying two parcels to convert them to public parks. And, and they did. Um, they got about a 90% response rate, a favorable rate for that. Our uh, question number two, basically we're asking, um, we had pre-identified amenities. We wanted to know, you know what people thought of converting it to a bike path or a trail. 30% of the people thought that was favorable. Um, people want, 
also observing nature and 20% uh, of the thought that was favorable, passive recreation, 50%, 15% of the respondents responded that was favorable. Um, we were asking about sports courts. Did people want to uh, use the site for sports courts? Approximately 40% of the people said no, they didn't want sports courts, any type. Um, the other pre-identified uh, sports were bocce, 25% respondents wanted that. Horseshoes, only 15% wanted that. Pickleball, 25% respondents wanted that. Uh, and then we had another question, it's, it was open-ended. Um, can in the community wanted any other sports identified? Uh, let's see, 15% of people said they wanted no other sports. 12% said they didn't want anything. 12% uh, of the people wanted a tennis, 9% wanted walking, 5% wanted um, a running area, 8% wanted a basketball. The next slide, uh, question five, it asks, um, you know, what type of amenities you wanted to see in the park, and we, the parks um, survey actually identified um, amenities so they just had a pre-chosen list they could either say favorable or unfavorable and so um, table tennis 20% uh, of the people wanted that group picnic area 40% wanted that cornhole 25% wanted that playground 45% wanted that um, game tables 25% wanted that question number six was open-ended we were asking what is it they wanted to see of amenities that were not listed 18% of the people wanted a dog park 10% wanted a walking trail. 10% of the people wanted no development and no park whatsoever. And 8% of people wanted a drinking fountain. Um, question number seven, it talks about safety. They were pre-identified categories. Um, did people want traffic calming? 65% of the people wanted traffic calming. 75% um, wanted a pedestrian enhancement, so that seemed like a priority there. 40% um, wanted the people, 40% of the people wanted a fence around this park. 65% um, wanted it lit, and 35% wanted security cameras. And then the last one, it was just a feel-good question, you know, what's your favorite tree or type of tree? And 50% of the people said large shade trees are the favorite type. 35% said native trees, and then 10% said either flowering or fall leaf color. Okay, so now that we have that survey information from those 330 respondents, um, we were tasked with coming up with two site plans um, to present to a community meeting. We identified one site plan, which is this one. This is option number one. Um, that we would show to our community meeting. Our community meeting was held on October 4th um, at the community center, like, excuse me, the library, right down the street from the 21st. So we got about 73 uh, attendees to that, and it was mainly the residents who live immediately surrounding the park. So that was about a fourth of the people who actually uh, provided information on, from the original survey. Um, so let's see what uh, site plan option one has that's unique to that one and not to site plan two is this had smaller turf areas it had table tennis it had corn holes and then we also identified some other area some other amenities you know that we've put into both park plans and that was a stormwater treatment some picnic areas some fence playgrounds some concrete uh, pathways that would be six feet wide some decomposed granite um, pathways uh, more informal four feet wide um, and then typical park amenities like benches trash receptacles drinking fountains bike racks 
Um, option number two, excuse me, let me just show some photos of what uh, those amenities are. So option number one, as you can see, it, it has photo, representative photos of the items that we were identifying in that plan. Um, you know, just so people would know, you know, what we were thinking of when we were asking them to support this plan. Uh, plan number two, uh, let's see, what was unique to plan two that wasn't in plan one was that it had drought tolerant landscaping. It had a pollinator garden. It had larger turf areas than uh, park option one. It also had a um, eight foot fence dog park. Um, and then it also had some of the amenities that were in plan one, which was the picnic areas, concrete walkways, decomposed granite walkways, a fenced in playground, and then benches, trash receptacles, drinking fountains. And these are representative photos of what we were showing as option two to the community so they can uh, envision what the park might look like. Um, so, so basically at the community meeting, we were asking them to vote between the two options. And then we also provided um, us, um, boards where they could write their own comments down. We provided um, sticky notes where they can post comments and write them down as well. We had uh, comment cards, you know, that they could, you know, step aside and write their comments individually. And uh, we got a number of those uh, you know, comment cards as well. And so our landscape architecture consultants kind of summarized those comments. Oh, um, this is a photo of the community meeting. It, like I had mentioned, there were 73 people that attended from the immediate neighborhood. Um, you know, it was a wide range of, of you know, older and younger and, and vert, um, staff. There were kids there as well. You know, uh, people were really vocal on what they liked and what they didn't like. Um, people preferred option number two. Um, but they also wanted us to further um, refine option two. You know, people were not in support, or at least the people who attended the meeting were not in support of a dog park. Uh, they were also not in support of a children's playground. Um, but they were very supportive of, you know, a pollinator garden and uh, drought tolerant landscaping and, you know, groundwater recharge from stormwater. So they're kind of supportive of lower maintenance, um, easy to maintain, uh, loader water using um, amenities. And um, so that's what the community had identified. And then the other thing is that they were really supportive of using the, the site like it was previously used as a passive recreation. They wanted larger lawn areas. They wanted to be able to walk their dog or ride a bicycle. Um, but they were very concerned about the safety of the children if there was a playground identified there because, you know, there's busy um, road on both sides. You know, the road might be posted at 35 miles an hour, but people, you know, aren't always driving the speed limit. Um, we also received a number of comments, you know. Um, you know, they just didn't want a playground because of the safety of the children. You know, personally, when I was going into to this experience, I thought, you know, playground, you know, that's important. Every park should have a playground. But after I had heard the comments and I'd seen the site with the playground, you know, I personally said, you know, this is probably not appropriate for a playground. You know, all it takes is one uh, accident to happen there and, and hit the fence. Um, typically in a city park, we, we don't put a playground within uh, 50 feet of a public street. And if we do, we have to put a fence around it. But as, as I mentioned earlier, this park is only 100 feet wide, so you know, it's gonna be definitely within 50 feet of the street. Okay, so um, let's see. 
So as I had mentioned, the city, excuse me, the community preferred option two. We further redefined option two site plan and uh, we came up with this plan. So um, as I had mentioned, um, the community didn't want the dog park. We removed the dog park. We removed the playground. We created larger um, lawn areas like the community had wanted. We had left in the pollinator garden and on and that's on one end of the site. You know, the pathways uh, still remain with the concrete and the deep post granite. We also added back in some of the little uh, sport activities like the um, cornhole and the table tennis that we had seen in option one because a few people had liked that. And then picnic. Uh, we had identified areas that could be used as either individual picnic areas or small group area picnic areas. The shade structures were also removed because, um, you know, there's a number of uh, mature site, trees throughout this site. You know, there's large oaks and, and sycamores and, um, and redwoods here. So there's a number of site. As you can see on this plan, the larger dark uh, trees are actually the existing trees on the site. And um, the, the trees that are in magenta and lime green, those would be the new identified trees. Um, Let's see, yeah, we subsequently uh, also <laughs> received emails of, you know, uh, from the community, um, you know, iterating that they didn't want a dog park and some people were concerned that there was gonna be a playground. And um, I just uh, reassured them that the plan that we're bringing to the, the commission here tonight does not include a playground. Um, we're also very concerned about the safety of the children. Um, we identified it as a passive recreational area, kind of furthering what it had been originally. Um, also wanted to tell you that um, although we had money to develop a master plan here, um, the funding was identified by the Community Development Block Grant, um, and we've developed the, the master plan here. Our intention is to get the master plan approved by the City Council, and um, we've also done the environmental. The environmental will be approved by the City Council as well, hopefully. And that will give us the opportunity to have an approved plan that we can uh, seek funding opportunities like uh, possibly city funding. We can um, solicit you know, community development block grants as well or state or federal funding. Um, that's what we need when we go after funding uh, for projects is an approved master plan so that makes it easy and an approved environmental document. And uh, let's see. So basically um, tonight we're looking for the, the Parks uh, Community Enrichment Commission to support the master plan, excuse me, not the master plan, the site plan for the 21st Avenue Park that we've identified here um, tonight. So um, the next step would be going to city council in the middle of, of uh, December, approving the park site plan and the environmental document as well. And is there, are there any questions? Thank you, Mr. Day. Uh, we'll take questions from the community first. Do we have any members of the public who would wish to ask a question? Thank you, Chair. There are no speakers for this item. Thank you. And do we have any e-comments to read? Sorry, I know we had um, an e-comment, but I didn't have time to print one out or read it. Is there a way for us to access Robin, those now? Oh, Mr. Uh, Commissioner Robbins, would you mind reading our e-comments, please? <laughs> uh, so uh, this is from Kylan Neagle, um, and the comments were, the current park plan for the 21st Avenue Parkway does not reflect the community feedback from the 21st Avenue Parkway survey on 
October 4, 2023. Meeting was not well publicized ahead of time. The actual comments from the forum have not been published in any way that I have been able to find yet, apparently, or the basis of removing the children's playground from the proposal. Question five on the park survey says, which recreation entity would you like to see in your park? And children's playground scored higher than any amenity and yet is missing from the current proposal. Concerns about traffic safety along 21st Avenue are valid, but it should not lead us to high for an opportunity to provide recreational opportunities for children in this space. The current plan provides zero new fencing, whereas the playgrounds included in the original two proposals, which fenced in providing measures, comfort, parents, uh, accompanying young children while they're at play. I don't currently recreate with my children's, which is the ages of six and two at the medium because there's no fencing. A ball led into the street may draw a child after a, a fenced area will prevent that. Furthermore, the city should allow low cost traffic claiming features in the vicinity of the park, e.g. plastic billboards, curbing, reduced traffic, uh, traffic speeds, offset traffic furthermore in the medium curve. 21st Avenue is weirdly wide in its current configuration and the poor design results of traffic collisions that all of us neighbors are valid concerns about. Addressing this cannot, can be done at a low cost. <clears throat> The improvements include the current plan will take the parkway more inviting and current recreational uses, but will not provide a meaningful new safe opportunity for recreation by the children who are very currently have no nearby community play structures available to them. Colonial Park, Tall Park are very long walk from this site for children and not a very friendly family has a ready access to the car drive, regular recreation, providing access to the children's playground as part of this parks program, addressing traffic safety concerns, proven low cost methods are the solution. Thank you for your thoughts and we are looking at it for you. Thank you. Was there just one e-comment? Does anybody have access to that? I think there was, there was two. Um, let me check and see. I sent it in my email. I can pull up the second one. I appreciate that, Mr. Rodriguez. And thank you for everyone's patience while we pull those up. I think when we're talking about family items, I think this is a hard time for families to come in person. This is not an easy time during dinner for people to call in, so I appreciate the ability to e-comment. Can I get something clarified real quick? Yes. Um, are we not allowing call-in users because they, not at all because of the current city hall issues? Okay, so that's why we uh, recommend everyone to e-comment at home and that way you have your voices heard just like this family member did. So thank you very much. Correct. As of um, council direction, Zoom is no longer an option. But you can't call in either? No. no. It will be e-comments or in person with a speaker slip. Well, even better to have them available. Commissioner Ford? I'm sure that was taken into consideration. I will take that information back to the clerk's office and we can get back to you. Um, I don't have an answer either way. Even if it's just a phone, oh, sorry. Yeah. yeah. Is that how, I mean, we obviously we can provide direct feedback to them, but I think we just weren't aware, right? Um, and so even if there's an option for like calling over the phone, 
Yes, if I can interrupt, I apologize. Um, our agenda actually does say that you can watch the meeting online and it has a link. So I feel like we might have misdirected our public to make them think that they could. You can, you can watch the meeting online, you just can't call in online. Got so the, media, the meetings are still available to view online live, uh, but you cannot call in for public comment. You either need to submit an e-comment or come in person, um, how it was prior to the COVID pandemic, which is what initiated a lot of those changes to begin with. And how long do the e-comments stay open for the item? You have until the end of the meeting to provide, you have up until the meeting is published um, that you can make an e-comment and then until the end of the meeting, at once the conclusion of the meeting, the e-comment option is turned off. Thank you for the clarity. Mr. Rodriguez? Yeah, one more e-comment uh, can read here. It says, Dear Members of the Parks Commission, my name is Isaac Gonzalez. I am currently serving as the president of the Tahoe Park Neighborhood Association. I'm writing this comment to express my personal stance on the 21st Street Park Project. Please note that the views I present are my own and do not reflect the official position of our association. The 21st Street Park Project has the potential to be a dynamic and integral part of our community. It deserves to be fully realized park one that boasts a complete suite of amenities that any neighborhood would deem essential for its residents and essentially and especially for the families that that will grow grow there over the years the present the presence of traffic challenges along the parks perimeter should not be a deterrent to its development indeed the community has consistently demonstrated its ability to address such concerns proactively as evidenced by the installation of speed bumps on the north side of the 21st avenue this is the testament to our collective commitment to safety and improvement looking ahead i'm confident that the residents along 21st will persist persist in advocating for changes that enhance safety and promote a more tranquil street environment our approach to this park's design should be equally progressive, ensuring that we do not compromise on its promise due to present day apprehensions. I urge the commission to embrace a bold vision for the 21st park plan project. Let us not withhold any amenities due to current fears, but instead proceed with a full build out that honors the community's needs and aspirations. Thank you for considering my perspective on this manner. Thank you for the e-comments. I guess we wouldn't know if there's any more coming in uh, throughout this item, but maybe you could flag us if there are at the end, Mr. Rodriguez. Uh, Vice Chair Gaines. Thank you. Um, so I have several questions. This is, um, I really love all the plans um, for this area. I actually used to live in this area when I was 10 and I played soccer on this median. So I, when I saw it pop up, I'm like, hey, I know that place. Um, so I have a bunch of questions real quick. Um, how, how many people did you say took this survey? 330. Okay, so I do have concerns um, when, and I I know how hard it is to get community feedback, so I don't wanna negate what the meeting with the 74 people, but I do have concerns with if the 330 were like, this is what we want versus the 74 who came to this meeting, you know, if there's reasons that they couldn't make it. Um, so I am, that that's a flag for me. Um, where is the nearest playground? Do you know offhand? Uh, we can go back to the main, um, I think it's Colonial Park. Is that walking distance? Uh, well, from, from one end of this park to the other, it's, it, I mean, the median, it's a mile. So a mile, I, it's definitely <laughs> less than a mile. 
to Colonial Park. Mm -hmm. And there's also school sites on the south. There's a Warren Park. There's a Mark Twain School on the south, immediately to the south. There's another playground, uh, Joseph uh, Bonham. Mm -hmm. uh, there's Bill Bean. So there's a number of parks, you know, in less, a little over a half mile. Can I add to that? Uh -huh. uh, the original request that came in uh, with Mr. Constantino, who's no longer with us, was for a playground at 21st Avenue Parkway at 58th Street in that vicinity. And so he did the research to figure out, is there a park within a half mile or 10 minute walking distance? And there was not. Um, so while Joseph Bonheim is a school, the yard is closed. So we, if you draw it, he has a wonderful map here. So if you look in a circle, you've got Colonial Park, and then you go up to Tahoe, you come back down to Billy Bean, uh, Earl Warren is a park. Joseph Bonheim is a school, but Earl Warren mm -hmm. has Warren Park. And then um, you have all these schools, actually. You've got Mark Twain and West Campus, which is not a playground, and then Lawrence Park, which is across Stockton. So you'd have to go across 14th Avenue to get to Tahoe. You'd have to go across Stockton to get to Lawrence, and then Colonial Park is tucked into the neighborhood there. So there was no half mile or 10 minute. And then the expansion of the, the parcels is, is quite large so I think that maybe if you walk from the corner of the 21st Avenue Park site there to Colonial Park maybe just a little over a half mile so thank you yeah I, I think like I said the plan is beautiful I just do have concerns it just doesn't seem very child-friendly to me <laughs> like, like for anyone with a family and I do know um, that there are young families in that area so um, I just wanted to flag that and I don't know I don't know anything about landscape architect, but um, if there's ways to like do things thinner or how like the parks have like, there's like a slide right here, but there's a swing over here. Like it doesn't have to be right built street to street. I could be totally wrong. Um, but just if there's any creativity around making it feel like families can go there cause it doesn't feel super like friendly for families. Yeah, I just wanted to address the playground uh, one more time, is that um, even though the preferred option that the Parks Department is bringing forward to you tonight does not have a playground, it doesn't preclude not putting a playground in. The commission can also recommend that we add back a playground. I could have the consultant add a playground and it could still go to city council in December if that's what you decide tonight as your recommendation. But professionally, the Parks Department we don't recommend a playground for the safety concerns and the and the vocals what we had heard. The other thing is, like I had mentioned, we don't have funding for this park at this time. We didn't want to overpromise and underdeliver, so um, it's easy to to identify the funding for trails and such, and to put the improvements in. And, you know, and then when the people come, then we could look for funding for a playground. Or the city said, you know, this site is really used. We should put a playground in. But um, like I mentioned, what we're bringing forward is. Uh, our recommendation, but it could be um, you know overruled. Thank you so much, Commissioner Kangas. I also I live right near this park too, and um, my kids they play all the time on that median. So I'm really really excited about everything that you've brought forward. I want to thank you for the really extensive community engagement efforts. Um, in addressing all the varying concerns because there are so many different needs and voices in the community. Um, I'm excited that there's going to be passive rec areas that are left open because it does provide an opportunity for a future playground if funding and street safety, you know, change in the future. Um, 
And I'm just really grateful. I wanted to say I go running along there quite often as well. And the crossing improvements are very, very much needed. So thank you for incorporating those into your design. Commissioner Robbins? Yes, I just had to voice the concerns of the public. So sorry I have it printed out because we kind of just went through this a couple of months ago about a park that was approved in uh, my neighborhood. But, you know, uh, that my questions you kind of answered. Uh, so we haven't identified the money for this park yet. And is there a deadline at all? No, there's no deadline. Okay. Um, public Works has their project funded, so they're going to be renovating the rest of the median. Um, like I mentioned, this uh, park site is 3.25 acres. Roughly, you know, the improvements would cost um, in excess of over $1 million. You know, that'd be like 300,000 an acre. So, um, and we're hoping to get a little bit of um, improvements out of Public Works. You know, they might help to isolate the irrigation system and, and uh, make some minor improvements, but uh, the majority of it, the project is not funded at this time. Yeah, and so and we had forums just like you, and we wanted to ask, like, would you prefer this and that? And then we came out and decided to have a playground, of course, just like this. You know, like you brought the data that it's the most recommended one through the community. So I didn't want to start away from the community. But, um, Chair, this is your uh, backyard, right? Um, how do you feel that, like, your community reached out? Kind of like I'm going to put, like, how Joe put on me. It's like, if you would know best, if this is best for our community, I'll wait for your turn. But that's where I'm going to base my vote on tonight but uh, thank you for the presentation and I want to know I noticed that we haven't had any uh, calling people because uh, Lambert Davis and D2 I wish I would hear what you have to say we would love to have you in person and see you and take uh, care of whatever comments with you back to bay cheesecakes one bite changed my life buddy see you later <laughs> one bite will change your life um, but I, I will say that I believe we did direct the public that they could um, attend this meeting and that they could make their, their opinions heard at this. So I wish I would have, in that same vein, said you can't call in because I don't think I realized that. And I apologize to any public who are watching. E-comments are open, and I'll check again at the end of this uh, to see if there's any more e-comments. Commissioner Ford. Um, again, I just wanted to follow up. I, just for clarity, the survey did say folks wanted a playground. Um, yes, uh, we had predefined categories of park amenities and there was only five identified and one of them was a playground. Um, I wasn't involved in the project at the time we did the survey. Jason was involved at that point, so maybe he can ask more um, about the survey. Hello, commissioners. Jason Wiseman, Park Planning and Development Manager. Um, so yeah, I mean, I was involved early on with the survey, and we were trying to think of what amenities we normally see in a, a neighborhood park. Obviously, we don't build parks and medians um, every day. You know, that's not something we typically would do. This is a new kind of process for us. So um, we kind of started with the standard amenities we'd see in a park, like a playground, and so that was one of the things that were listed out. And so. Obviously, you had to pick one. If you're going to pick one, you know, playground did rise to the top. Um, but, you know, thinking about it and staff was looking at it, we, we did have concerns about that, especially with the, uh, the speed that people go down 21st Avenue, the frequency of accidents that have happened on 21st Avenue have also been a concern. So um, not to say that it can't be done, you know, safely. I mean, it could be fenced. Do we do that? We do that um, quite often in parks where the playground is closer than 50 street, uh, 50 feet from the street, but that is our typical standard that we'd like to achieve, but that is not, you know, always what we do. Um, but uh, the, the traffic calming is definitely a part of it that has to happen, and that's out of our control, but it's something we can kind of work with public works to, to achieve. So, um, I mean, if that's something that, you know, that, that's very well supported, we can consider it again, um, but um, 
right now, as I said, this project is not funded. The maintenance is not funded. Nothing is funded. So if we are to build, you know, put, you know, a playground in here, that does add additional maintenance costs that have to be identified. Additional, you know, for the fencing, the the wood fiber, the the playground equipment that has to be replaced. So there are additional concerns and additional funding that would need to be, you know, found to to make that happen. I guess it is. It's a. It's. it's is it a fair? statement to say that regardless whether the playground's there or not, there's going to be a volume of folks accessing and using the park place, right? Or like the new landscape, et cetera. So I, I think that the, the safety about cars and just making it more, um, I guess, walker friendly and for neighborhoods to be there, there's gonna, we're, we're, that needs to just be addressed regardless of. And so from your experience, is it easier to add everything to the plan now and then remove later if, if that's decided versus like, I just have seen things that like, we don't add like many, it is not reflective of what the community wants and then it's harder to get it back on there. Yeah, and, and the way, you know, the, the amendments work, I mean, um, as long as we're not taking away something that's in this approved, you know, the plan, if we were to take this plan forward as it is currently, there's nothing that would stop us from doing that as long as we're not taking away one of those amenities that are in that plan. So we added a playground in the future, as long as another amenity that's currently shown in that plan is not being taken away, then technically um, it wouldn't require any kind of amendment to the plan to come back to, the, to here to make that happen. Those are my questions. And again, just going, you know, um, Chair Vasquez obviously would defer to hear a little bit more about your thoughts on that area. I, again, if that is one of the biggest things that the community is asking for, just wondering what your thoughts are and would love to obviously vote basically on some of your feedback as well. Happy to share in a moment. Commissioner Liu. And that. If we put the plan on there, it's kind of like, I think we should have the play, I mean, the community wants the playground, so I, I would rather see the playground in there and b build it out like they want, and then you, you could figure out the maintenance that, you know, and then instead of like trying to go back, and then we're gonna have to try to figure out the maintenance part, because the maintenance part would be the big stickler, because you know, like, well, they wanted it originally, but we never gave it to them, and then now we got more maintenance. I'd rather bring the whole plan how the community wants it and then, okay, this is what they really want and this is how much it really costs instead of kind of just like throwing it up there and be like, okay, well, we, we can give you this because that's what we get. I feel like sometimes in District 2 we get like, we don't get the whole thing. We just get like, okay, well, it's, you know, like the bathroom thing at, at Robla Park. It's like they want actually not a community center. They want like a not a built-out community center, but they have some in District 1. They had some examples they had shown me, so it was a certain cost, but they're, they're trying to give them something bigger or like, here's here's a bathroom. You know, like, you know, it's kind of like, you know, we're not, we can't get you a community center, but I know you guys need a bathroom, so here, I'll just give you this little crumb here for now, so. I'd rather see it all at one like that, and then I think it'd be better for them, plus th that's what they want, so. You know, then they could also figure out the safety thing, you know, make sure that the playgrounds, maybe they can make it long and skinny, add more trees to it. I mean, the trees will take a while, but, you know, you can make it safer and then change it around when the trees get bigger, stuff like that. Thank you. Commissioner Herman? Wait, I'm sorry. I skipped one. Commissioner Flores? Sorry, friend. 
<clears throat> Thank you, Chair. Uh, I do have a couple questions, and uh, my first question, Jason, maybe it goes to you. Um, given that this is a unique uh, site with being a median, is there any other current Yipsy Park sites that are similar to this that we can at least glean some, uh, some best practices or guidance on? I know you, in your verbiage you said this is this is relatively new-ish, so so I don't know if you already answered my question in that sense. Um, there's only one site that I'm aware of that's fairly new, and it is definitely not on a busy street like this, but the Sutter Park um, that was built in uh, District 4 there in uh, East Sacramento is a small little, and it has a playground and a small grass area, but it is a... It's a residential street that's only a couple blocks long. It's not, you know, there's no, it's only the people that live there and it's a small, very small community that accesses that. Okay, uh, thank you. And, and yeah, go ahead. Argue East Portal Park on Folsom Boulevard is also like 100 feet wide, correct? East Portal Park isn't. Not East Portal, um, East Lawn Cemetery Park. Um, it is on, it's on, a, yeah, it's, a, it's a, I mean, it's, yeah, it's on the corner of a busy, a busier road, yes. And then um, maybe this is a question to you and or the director. Can you help refresh my mind the difference between approving a site plan like we're asked to tonight and then the master plan part of it? I, I know I've been on items where let's approve the master plan like at, um, at Megan a lo very long time ago. Can, can you explain some of the differences there the, uh, that what we're asked to do tonight versus um, because of the fluidity and other items, you know, um, so to, I think to help. Yep. In that. And I would just say, um, you know, the, the use of master plan is kind of dated terminology. So it's kind of, it's the, the same thing you're approving here. We're, we're switching away from that. We're going with more site plan or site amenities plan, you might hear us say. Um, we're trying to shift away from dated terminology there. Okay. Well, th well, thank you for that clarification. So it's the, the same mechanics that we're using, updated terminology. Okay. Th that helps out. And maybe, uh, Chair Vasquez, after your, your your comments, maybe a second round of commissioner comments. I know a lot of us wanted to hear your thoughts, and then maybe that spurs additional questions. So those are my questions. Thank you. Great. Thank you, Commissioner. Commissioner Herman. actually an accessible play structure in how so figure out where that's at <laughs> right there on the top left um, I mean I, I mean it's this not is the city of Sacramento that the structure well I can tell you how it is accessible a wheelchair can traverse across the wood fiber and they have to transition onto that item there so that piece is accessible, although we don't have any of that in the city of Sacramento. The consultant who prepared these plans, they do uh, playground designs, you know, all throughout uh, Northern California. So this is just probably one of their other playgrounds. Okay, and they can traverse the, the wood well, bark? Wood fiber, um, as long as it's compact, uh, it's an accessible service that, um, that we use in most of our city playgrounds. It's really economical. So um, the wood fiber is accessible to wheelchairs. Okay. Thank you. And would the play equipment be accessible as well? I mean, every oh. playground we do is accessible. So um, it's. I'm sorry. Uh, let, I mean, me, let me rephrase. Not accessible to get to it, but like for um, other able children to use, like we uh, have at Southside. Well, Southside is is universally accessible. It's like 
more than 50% accessible. A typical city playground has a number of elements that can be accessible to the disabled, such as swings and low slides and low climbers and such. And then uh, some of the uh, disabled, they need the upper body strength to be able to transition from you know, to higher decks. Um, and then there's also playgrounds where you have um, wheelchair accessible ramps, like uh, Southside. So typically we don't put ramps in uh, neighborhood park playgrounds, just due to cost. Thank you. I've been meaning to ask that question for a long time, and maybe we could have a little more of a presentation on that in the future. Okay, Jason? I interrupted you. What were you going to say? No, that, that was it. That was it. That's fine. As I said, we have different levels of accessibility. I mean, by code, a playground is required to be accessible regardless, right? I mean, but there's a certain minor level of standard that has to happen, you know, per code. We tried to exceed that standard, you know, but then we have the ones that go way above and beyond, like Southside Park, where we try to make it where, you know, wheelchairs can get up onto the deck and stuff. So, but those do, you know, those are million dollar playgrounds plus million dollar, you know, so those those add up. So the, the neighborhood ones, we try to include inclusive elements, you know, whatever. It, I mean, it's not just mobility issues. It's, you know, there's other issues, you know, other things that people have, you know, uh, we try to we try to incorporate. Wonderful. Thank you. Do we have any more e-comments, Mr. Rodriguez? Wonderful. Okay. Um, so the reason everyone's asking me is that I live on this street. I live on 62nd and 21st Avenue, which a lot of people know. Um, I still have some water left from 916 Day that we're going to take to our, uh, our next month meeting. So some of you have come to my house to pick up supplies. Um, my children walk down this median every single day uh, on their way home from school. So I think that's why people are asking me what is my opinion. Um, but also, I have been engaged with the five different communities um, that live along this, which is actually a two-mile-long parkway, for many, many years. And so I have a lot of um, very good friends and a lot of neighbors, some on one side of this and some on the other. And I believe that the conversation has been going on for many years now. Uh, the original request was for a playground here because there, we have busy streets that people didn't want to cross to get to playgrounds in other places. And I believe that these neighborhoods, which are Colonial Village, Colonial Heights, Tahoe Park South, Tulloch South, um, and Colonial Manor, um, they are they're experiencing a new boom of families and a lot of young families who are, um, you know, with all of our, our housing that's hard to find and all of the apartments that are being built here on Stockton Boulevard at, um, at 21st Avenue, you know, we have a need for service. We have a need for parents to be able to walk out, convene with one another, have a seat on a bench while their children get out. What one community said to me was the yayas, which I had to bring to this meeting because that's, that's a perfect explanation. You know, families who need to get out of the house and let their children climb on something before they go back home. And if we're getting, a, if we're getting in a car and we're driving to our park, which is only half a mile away because we don't want to cross a busy street, then we are not uh, supporting our park's uh, general plan. Right, which has an environmental quality to it. We don't want to have to get in a car and put carbon in the air just to go to the park. Right? We want to be um, inclusive and we want to be uh, eco-friendly. So I'm just going to start with that. Mr. Day, I said I would take it easy on you, but I'm going to take you to task on one thing. Uh, you said we threw in like a feel-good question of what's your favorite tree. But I would argue that three of these neighborhoods have their own neighborhood tree planting program. And so they know the difference between a large shade tree and the benefit they get from that and a small flowering tree. And I think that's why the small flowering tree got the lowest rating on that survey because we have so many tree lovers. And when I first announced that we were gonna have a community meeting at the Colonial Heights uh, Neighborhood Association meeting, every single question we got was about the trees. What about the trees? Are we gonna lose the trees? Um, so to your credit, 
having a community meeting alongside of another department, which is Public Works, who went out and secured funding on their own to remove turf on the whole entire parkway before we'd asked for this park, people are very concerned that they're gonna lose access to what they're currently using and have for many, many years used as a local park. And I think it was even a surprise to us, the Parks Department, that it wasn't our land when we first started this. It's actually technically public works land. It used to be a trolley line for commuters who would come from downtown. They would come acro across down Stockton and across a trolley into the neighborhood. It was a commuter line. And when the trolley was gone, they just put grass on top of it and it became a beautiful parkway um, where trees were planted and they're, they're mature and gorgeous. We lost some during our storms um, last year, which was really sad but the community has activated this space. They walk their dogs every day. There's a parade of strollers that come down in front of my house every day and a parade of dogs. They come up, they go to their portion of the parkway and they go back. And many, many years ago, uh, I believe it was Kevin McCarty who installed what we have now, which are benches, drinking fountains, and um, we have like the racks with the lime scooters and the, you know, all of our uh, active transportation stuff. So it is used by the community as a park and as something that's accessible. It will not be in the future if Public Works removes this turf. So they are working on a project that was very scary for neighbors, thinking that they're gonna lose access. Um, and the idea was they wanted to save money in watering the turf. So if we call it technically a median, because that's what it was deemed, it wasn't deemed a park, then by the governor's executive order, we do not water non-functional turf. So when we were in a drought, it became a very desirable space to convert into like low water grasses without the understanding that the community uses this space as a park, and that was from the Public Works Department. Um, so roundaboutly asking for this park, we found out about this public parks uh, project. So. My credit to you to stand in a room full of 80 angry people who are very afraid of losing their, um, losing their precious parkway, and which they, they, they're going to lose a, a large portion of accessibility, which is the plan. So preserving this part of the parkway might be the only true access that these five communities have to the parkway going forward. Um, so because that funding is not yet secured, secured, I think we can dream big. I agree that I don't want to have to try to add things in later. We need to plan what we need now. Um, and we have heard in that 330 people in that survey, that's pretty big, right? What's our average like survey response? I feel like it might be smaller. It was on the larger side, yes. Okay, great. So <laughs> I was really glad that that happened. We also had a civic... I want to get it right, Civic Thread, not Civic Well, right, Civic Thread. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, Garner Community Support brought people together, took a walk along the entire two miles, and people ask me all the time, like, where are the results from that walkthrough we did where we named all of the things that we want? When we look at our future Parks Master Plan and our strategies that are in draft form, number one is our equitable access. And when we received a peek at that plan in February, we were showed that District 6 had the fewest um, acres of park land currently. District 6 has only 222 acres of park. Right now we could have 225. That would be great. Three more. Lower than any other district and simultaneously has the highest burden pollution score. Our California Environmental Screen score is the highest. So we have the fewest parks, we have the highest pollution, and we have hundreds of families who said, hey, can we please have a playground? 90% um, wanted a park, 10% didn't in that survey. And then we have a ring of neighbors who came in person who were able to walk down to the library. We had a very accessible meeting. 
Um, and I agree with the e-comment. I don't think we publicized it for very long. I don't think we publicized it very well. I think we did our best, but we had a short turnaround working with two different departments. Um, so again, to your credit, I don't think that we should weigh someone who can come in person's opinion heavier than someone who can only um, weigh in via survey. Um, I also think it's not coordinated to the point where the people who took the survey um, needed to understand they had to come to the meeting because that would be our, our heavier weight. So I think we need to weigh all of those responses equally. Um, and I did take notes, so let me go back to those and, and get off of my, uh, my high horse there. Um, I do wanna address the traffic. So safety, right, number one concern, obviously. Um, I think Commissioner Ford hit it on the head. This neighborhood already is dealing with slowing down people on that street. And between the time that this request started and this process started and now, one of our um, neighbors on 21st and June Bell, who's one of our volunteer award winners, Miss Rachel Gregg, took it upon herself to petition the community and got speed bumps installed on the north side. So when I mentioned in one of our development meetings with Public Works, like, hey, what can we do about a fence? Because the public is concerned about speeding and racing on this street. I believe it was Director Moore who said they must be racing four by fours because there's speed bumps, right? So I don't think that Public Works has the same concerns that we have about speeding. And I do think that we could work together with them to get speed bumps on both sides of the streets. And I really liked those, um, comments that you wrote in the, read in the e-comment, someone said like curbing and bullards, I believe, right? So you know, maybe there's something that we can do. I like the idea of the skinny playground in the middle. Um, the East Lawn Cemetery Park, I'm getting the name of the park wrong, I'm sure. Um, it's a, exactly the same size and it's on Folsom Boulevard. It's not on both sides, but for people who aren't familiar with this neighborhood, it's one lane of one-way tra one traffic on each side. So it's just, it's one lane, it's a very wide lane, has a bike lane, um, and it's one-way traffic on each side. We have problems with people um, flowing through the stop sign. West Campus High School, which the map's not up there and we don't need it anymore, is on one end, which is a high school that is not a home school. So people drive from all over um, the city to come to that school. So we have a lot of drivers that are coming in from Stockton and from 65th that are taking 21st Avenue to go <laughs> to pick up their children, uh, Mr. Herman, um, at West Campus High School. So we have, a, we have traffic that exists and we are not in the business of designing roads, we are in the business of designing parks. So when we go back to our data-driven decisions and our goals of our parks master plan, which is to create equitable access for people, we have half of this parkway that has drinking fountains and bikes and benches and half that doesn't, right? This is a very good example of creating equity and something, a, right, a wrong that we can right that has you know, been wronged for a while. Um, so I disagree with, with the safety. I think that we can because children already do every day play in this median. I believe that we could add back in a park playground with a fence around it. That will be enough. That's all that they're asking for. But I do think we have enough examples out in the wild of that working. Um, so that would be my recommendation. Um, I also kind of want to mention that I would like for us to have um, some community engagement discussions in the future about how we can make that messaging more clear or how else we can uh, speak with the community in advance. Um, I know our marketing has been really great on social media, but we have people who I mentioned at the last meeting who came to me um, at the physical in-person meeting and said, 
I just learned about this from my neighbor, and how come you didn't tell me sooner? So I want to reach out to those people who are not online, um, ironically, which is the only way that they can email in tonight. So I want to work on that in the future a little bit, so please don't let me forget that. So I know that some of our commissioners said they might want to hear what I have to say and then say something else. So what I want to say is this neighborhood, their uh, trees are precious to them. They understand the value that the large shade trees bring in sequestering carbon for their neighborhood, which has some of the worst air quality in our city. They don't want to lose them. And when we add a ring of flowering trees around, I know that's a traffic calming measure, right? When you see a line of trees, naturally you drive slower. But I don't think that that's something that we have the capability in the near future to maintain. We just planted 32 trees at Granite Regional, and like half of them are alive at this point. So I just think in the future, hopefully with new plans, we can build in some sort of tree maintenance. But we just simply don't have it now um, or in the very near future to to plant and maintain a ring of trees, um, especially ones that were the lowest vote in the community survey, just to slow the traffic. I think, um, and thank you for saying that you could try to work with um, transportation to slow down that street anyway. Um, so add the playground. The median is already considered a park and it's called a parkway on Google, even though it is a median, technically. Um, I believe that that is all I have to say. I feel like I've said everything. Does anybody else want to make a comment, Commissioner Herman? Yeah, I just wanted to add something that you pointed out to me earlier that you didn't mention in your um, talk, brief talk just now, is why doesn't the um, park have a pass-through walkway all the way to the end meeting 64th Street? Because I think people said they wanted it to use like for a dog walk or whatever. I was just wondering why there was no accessible walkway that goes through the end uh, to 64th. It kind of stops either at a picnic table or a little loopy roundabout. Um, and I was just wondering if that, if there was some reason. Why oh, are you talking about in the brown area on the far yeah, uh, east both side? Yeah, of them don't have it going all the way okay. through 64. Well, that's, it becomes very narrow at that point. I mean, I, I, looking at that map, it's probably only like a, about 60 feet or less wide. Okay, so uh, that area was designed as a pollinator garden. Um, you can see the lighter beige uh, pathways. Um, that would be decomposed granite. It's four feet wide. It's a garden. It also has um, interpretive signs, you know, and signs interpreting the plants and the insects, possibly butterflies, benches. It's a quiet space. And that was highly um, regarded um, at the community meeting, we got a lot of comments on that, that they, people liked um, native, native areas, they liked uh, native trees, they loved that pollinator garden and drought-tolerant landscapes. And so um, that's why that was uh, put in there. Okay, but- And, and also, um, if it went all the way to 64th Street, yeah. I mean, you don't cross 64th Street at this point. Um, the, the, the sidewalks, are, are not on the middle of the median, they would be on the corners of the median. And uh, right now there is no sidewalk in there. It'd have to be designed in. And like Jason had mentioned, we have to work with Public Works on that. But I think that could be added on. I mean, we'll have to take a look at what's existing on 64th Street right there. And if, if, I mean, if there is a walkway there, it makes sense to kind of extend that out. I mean, if that's DG, that's walkable anyway, but I mean, that's a small connection to make and an easy, easy add. Sure, I just was, you guys had talked about I thought you talked about the people wanting it to be a pass-through kind of walkway, and I was just wondering why it, it looped or stopped right in the middle and 
it didn't reach 64th. And I'm, I'm not super familiar with the area, except that my daughter goes to West Campus High School, so I drive somewhat in that area a lot. Um, and I just thought maybe there was some reason that I wasn't called out. And, and we were kind of waiting to see what Public Works going to do, too, because they were kind of getting feedback. And like like Victoria said, um, they were looking at, uh, you know, converting this turf, you know, to some kind of low-water-use landscaping. But um, one of the things that came out of the community meetings, I think, was, you know, they'd like to see a pathway that goes all the way through this median, like not just the park section, but something where people can walk this. So I don't know where Public Works is settling with that right now. Like, I mean, they're kind of you know, working their plan. We were trying to go parallel with these plans, but we have a grant deadline here by the end of the year that we're trying to, to get this uh, plan approved. <laughs> yeah, may I? Okay, I yes, thank you very much. Um, I would like to add that um, that intersection on the bottom right-hand corner going uh, south is actually a very popular crossing uh, section for people to the north they walk down every Saturday morning and come down to the urban farm and buy their vegetables. So this is a hugely popular route that people come up through um, into the neighborhood and buy their um, veggies at Route 64 Farm right there. So I thank you for uh, bringing it up, Commissioner Herman, because I forgot. I had a lot of other things to say. If that path around the pollinator garden, which I also um, hope that we can have, um, you know, maintenance talks about when we put in a pollinator garden, could just go all the way to the end of 64th. But also people, as you mentioned, they want it to stay the same, right? So I don't know what the value is of turning that all into bark. You know, like I understand the pollinator garden, you know, being bark with native plants, but then once you end that loop, that could remain turf, could it not, with a path going through to 64th and then the crosswalk going south, I think would be um, my recommendation. Just the way that people use it now. Uh, because they like to buy their veggies and walk up through the trees to on the way to their house. I know that we do. Um, any other commissioners wish to speak on this item? Okay, so I would uh, like to make a motion. Um, I would recommend that we do pass a park plan for 21st Avenue for this site uh, with the following changes would be my recommendation. To add back in a playground with a fence. Um, to add some dog waste receptacles because we had so many people who uh, walk their dogs and want a, a dog park. So I don't know what the technical term is for that, but the doggy bag holders stands. Uh, we had a request from the local daycare who walks all of their children down there that they would really need one of those. Um, to hopefully replace the turf and connect this pathway down to 64th. Uh, to remove the ping pong table. Um, I don't think that that was widely wanted in the original survey. Um, I think the cornhole would be fine. I don't think that would be noisy or throw balls into the street. So I think the cornhole, but remove the ping pong. Um, that would be my recommendation of a motion. Do I have a second? Second. Thank you. So I have a, a motion by Chair Vasquez and a second by Commissioner Herman. Uh, Clerk, will you please take a roll call vote for this one? Thank you, Chair. Commissioners, please unmute. Um, Commissioner Boone. Absent. Um, Commissioner Flores? <clears throat> Aye. Commissioner Ford? Aye. Vice Chair Gaines? Aye. Commissioner Herman? Aye. Commissioner Kangas? Aye. Commissioner King is absent. Commissioner Liu? Aye. Commissioner Robbins? Aye. 
And Chair Vasquez. Aye. Thank you, motion passes. Thank you, thank you everyone for the conversation. Absolutely, thank you for the presentation. All right, so we will move on now to uh, standing updates, 916 day. I see we do not have Ms. Robbins here, but I know that she wants to throw our uh, December meeting as the thank you reception. Yeah, I could speak on that. Deanna gave me the update that I just want to provide to the group as kind of like a reminder. Um, we have our um, reception planned for next month, December 7th at our meeting. Um, we're going to do an overview of all the projects that everyone completed, the volunteer statistics, so like the people that we had, you know, registered as volunteers. Um, we have a brief video capturing all the projects. Um, that we want to share as well but it was more just to remind if you can remind the volunteers that you guys had come out to your 916 day events to show up and you know partake in in the reception we just want to make sure that we get you know a good turnout uh to appreciate those folks and yeah and uh and just you know another also reach out to the sponsors you guys had sponsors that help with some of those things they are invited as well that information has been passed in an email but just want to send that quick reminder to the group so much, Mr. Rodriguez, and I'd like to publicly congratulate you for becoming a new parent since our last meeting. Congratulations to you. We're happy for you. Any words you'd like to say? No, just thank you for that. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you for being here with us late um, as a new parent. We appreciate you. Um, our next item will be the Youth Parks and Community Enrichment Director's Report, please. Thank you, Chair. Okay, so we'll start with um, park maintenance updates in our north area. We recently had several um, completed resurfacing projects. The North Natomas Community Park tennis courts were resurfaced, along with California Lilac Basketball Court. A North Lake Community Park Basketball Court was resurfaced, and so was Orchard Park Tennis Courts. Um, we did add some safety barriers to limit unauthorized entry um, to the South Natomas Community Park. And um, we also had some new information signs installed at Del Paso Regional Park that had, includes location markers for constituent concerns um, to report and identify correct locations. In the south area, a North Laguna Community Park tennis courts were just resurfaced and a safety barrier um, to limit unauthorized entry, um, so posts in a chain is being installed at Oki Park uh, for the undeveloped right-of-way um, that we actually visited last time we were out there. For our park safety team, um, during their annual cleanup of Steelhead Creek, over 52,000 pounds of trash and debris were removed. Um, over the last five years, our park safety team has helped to remove a total of 493,000, over 493,000 pounds of trash and debris, and debris from a small section of Steelhead Creek, um, directly upstream from the American River Parkway. We recently completed our park safety team as part of IMT and rapid response um, completed phase one uh, of scheduled cleanups and enforcement throughout the northern bike trail area um, in Mr. Liu's district. Um, that work was done at the intersections of Traction and Grove. Um, due to the staffing, of course, staffing resources and challenges, and just the complexity of this particular issue on the northern bike trail, it's going to take time um, to continue these efforts. Um, phase one alone netted over 10,000 pounds of trash removal from that immediate area, and we'll be continuing efforts along the rest of the trail um, throughout the month of November. 
Also, as part of the incident management and rapid response team, our park safety officers have worked over 40 hours this month um, specifically to address immediate encampments, uh, encampment concerns throughout the park system, and they've closed over 30 open 311 case complaints. Um, for our park planning and development services team, we shared a couple of meetings ago that we would be bringing the Parks Plan 2040 um, back to this commission. It's currently being drafted. An official public review um, will begin hopefully in early 2024. So we'll make sure to keep the commission and community updated. It will include a, a presentation back to this commission where there will be an opportunity for commissioners and the public to ask questions and provide com uh, comment and provide input. Uh, we also will continue to take any feedback from the community um, into consideration during our drafting period. So please feel, feel free to reach out to staff. Our older adult services team um, will be hosting ballroom dance classes um, starting on the 21st of this month at North Natomas Community Center. So excited to bring a new program to, to that facility. This is a free class that will encourage older adults who want to practice their ballroom dance moves or learn new ones um, to join the social group. So we'll make sure to share a flyer with our commissioners when it's ready and share that out to the public. There's also a special event for older adults at North Natomas Community Center on the 17th of this month called Dance and Hors d'oeuvres. It's from 1 to 4 p.m. We will have music, food, um, and invite all of our older adults to come and celebrate the fall season. Access Leisure Team is hosting a Thanksgiving dinner and dance also at North Natomas Community Center on November 18th at 5 p.m. Uh, we welcome any new participants. There is a fee for this program, and we do require registration by November 10th where information can be found um, online. Many of you, thank you to our commissioners who attended uh, the several special events that we hosted in our community centers celebrating the, the spooky season and the fall Halloween season. Um, I believe we had around seven or eight events across all of our community centers. We had um, Family Bingo Night at Coloma Community Center. Meadow Boo was at Pinnell. Um, and we had, I believe, over 2,300 attendees that participated um, at these special events just over the period of a couple of days. So really wonderful turnout. If you remember, um, COVID was kind of the start of these drive-through events and really um, bringing back special events. So. Um, we're really excited to see the growth that we're, that we're seeing from our events in our community center. So great work to that team. Hagenwood Community Center, um, they didn't host a spooky event, but they will be having a fall festival, which they started last year and was wildly successful. So looking forward to another great event on November 18th from 2 to 5 p.m. That will include carnival games, um, goodie bags. It's a free event. Pre-registration is not required, so anyone is welcome to attend. On our community enrichment and, and um, sports side of the house, uh, we do have registration for winter and spring um, 2024 activities that will be opening on November 15th at noon. So that actually goes for all of the department's winter and spring 2024 activities. Registration opens November 15th. Um, we do still have a few spaces left in our December's winter skate camp at the 28th and B Street Skate Park. Um, that will go during that break period between Christmas and New Year's, the 26th through 29th of December. If you're interested in registering for that, you can vi visit us online. Our youth sports team is hosting all sorts of sports special event. That will be on Saturday, November 18th at Coloma Community Center. That's a free event for ages 3 to 6. 
Um, and again, I have a few more events and activities I'll share, but all of this information can be found on our website on our Come Out and Play. And then registration for Junior NBA opens in a couple of weeks on November 15th. Um, that's $25 per youth, and we do have scholarships available. That's for ages 5 to 14. We are also accepting youth sports volunteers. You can sign up on our registration um, system, ActiveNet. Um, you would sign up as a Tier 2 member as a youth volunteer. There are some additional requirements, but we absolutely love and need the support of all of our volunteers to make sure that we can continue to offer some of these wonderful programs. The Sacramento Softball Complex is hosting an all-ages event on Friday, December 1st from 5.30 to 8.30. There will be batting practice for youth, youth and adult softball and baseball options available. Uh, we'll have a home run derby, prizes. It's $5 for all ages, five and up, and youth under the age of five are free. And also the cafe um, at the complex will be open. Our reservations office is currently finalizing all of the 2024 field allocation permits. Um, tentative permits will be issued the first week of December. I know we have some anxious groups ready to see what the allocations look like for the next year. So looking forward to getting that information out. And then we wrapped up our aquatic, almost wrapped up our aquatic season actually. We had two back-to-back -back weekends of floating pumpkin patches, one at North Natomas um, Aquatics Complex and one just this last weekend at Pinnell. Meadowview Communities or Aquatics Complex, wonderful events, um, very cooperative weather, great turnout, pumpkins in the pool, lots of fun. But we'll be officially rounding out the aquatic season with Doggy Dip Day this weekend at Pinnell Meadowview Pool, both on Saturday and Sunday. There will be an opportunity to bring your four-legged friends out uh, for a dip in the pool. Hopefully the weather cooperates for that event, but I don't think it keeps the dogs away regardless. <laughs> And North Natomas Community Center also hosted a movie night um, along with many of our other events um, with almost 200 participants at that event. So we're seeing a lot of activation at North Natomas, um, not just from that community, but from um, residents all across the city. Um, so you already heard updates from our youth workforce development team tonight. Um, they have a whole lot going on. Um, do save the date, though, for March 23rd of next year. I know it's a ways out, but we're already here in November. Happy New Year, right, <laughs> Commissioner? Um, the Youth Employment and Resource Fair. Uh, we have the date saved for March 23rd at City Hall, so we'll make sure that we have more information to share as we get closer to that event. And then also really excited to share, as many of you know, the Office of Youth Development um, now um, operates out of uh, our department, so really excited to have that team um, as a part of our larger, our larger department. Um, we recently awarded 26 community-based organizations through the Sacktown Youth Nights program um, funding for pop-up events that will happen on Friday and Saturday evenings. We're in the process of putting together a calendar um, that will be actually available to the public as well. We'll make sure to share it here with all of our commissioners um, so you know what's happening in your community. Our civic engagement team, uh, the unit there is putting together a youth task force made up of former summer at City Hall participants and the Sacramento Youth Commission. Right now we have two um, youth commissioners that have committed to this task force so far, um, but they will be helping us to provide feedback and ideas on training tracks for civic engagement specific programs. So this will be a youth-led initiative um, to really support the civic engagement efforts that our department and city are doing. And also excited to share that the Sacramento Children's Fund website, Sacramento Children's Fund, is being operated out of our department. 
or administered and implemented out of our department. The website is live and, and up in action. It's at cityofsacramento.org slash parksandrec slash measure L. Um, we are currently in the process of developing an agreement with our strategic planning consultant. Um, this strategic planner will be working alongside staff and the newly established commission to develop a five-year strategic plan or spending plan for the Sacramento Children's Fund. Um, the commission is almost fully seated, appointed by council, each council district, and we are looking to host our first meeting for the commission um, in December, and we'll get really into the um, planning and development phases for the um, spending plan in January. And then lastly, um, we'd like to invite all of our commissioners. We'll have more information to follow, but please save the date for our 2023 end of year all staff celebration that of course includes all of our commissioners and the wonderful support you provide for our team and for the city. That will be held on Wednesday, December 6th from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. at Pinnell Community Center. More information to come. Thank you. Wonderful, thank you so much. Do I have any commissioners who'd like to speak on this item? Um, I just have a quick question. You mentioned um, the grants that you guys are doing for the evening events. When you, um, when the city has grants, is, is there like a press release that goes out? Um, we would just find that on the website. Yeah, so um, for all of the grants that our department is responsible for doing, um, we absolutely get information out to the community. Um, and now that office, the Office of Youth Development falls under YPSI, we're able to kind of consolidate a lot of those efforts and make sure that the information lives in one space. So we keep updates on our website. We do press releases, um, a, lot of, a lot of forward-facing information that goes out to the community. You can also sign up online, and I'll share the link with commissioners to get notified anytime there are grant opportunities that come up that fall within certain categories that you might be interested in. So potential grantees would be notified of um, funding opportunities that would be coming through the city. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Commissioner Flores. <clears throat> yeah, I just, want, uh, uh, just wanted to shout out the Bell Coolidge Community Center because they hosted Boo Bash, uh -huh. and it was packed. And I, I, my son and I attended as just guests, um, and we, got to, we stayed till the whole movie, uh, Hocus Pocus. Uh, yeah, it was just to see it from the drive-thru to a community activation site and then a, a long line to get into the haunted house. And then, you know, shout out to the social media team that did a recap video to make it that fear of missing out, the FOMO of it. Like, hey, you missed out on this event. Here's why you missed out and come to our next one. So, uh, yeah, like, I, I, and then that came, you had yours and you dressed up pretty cool. So, uh, yeah, just in this October alone in that, you know, one, two week period at all the events and how it was so well attended, but that was that was awesome. And then also another shout out to the Yipsy events teams. I know there has been other community spaces at Yipsy parks. And so the events teams help support and just seeing how they hustle and how they, you know, make sure the event goes off without a hitch. So always shout out those guys, you know, the, 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 the logistics involved in creating a community event. You, we cannot shout out those guys enough. So just, so, okay. Even, even more, uh, you know, bringing the big trucks and then it's a truck of a truck, right? Like all that stuff. So no, just seeing that uh, it was at your South Side um, Fall Festival um, that you emceed and all that. So you're Miss VIP over there. Uh, we stayed in my son plate at the park there and then just seeing the crews, you know, helping out. So just, you know, shout it out to the team. Commissioner Ford. 
I just want to echo the same thing. I've been having a few um, cleanup events around my district. I mean, I think our, one of our last big, well, there was a Redbud cleanup recently, and previously to that we did a um, community planting and cleanup in um, Regional Community Park, over 200 plants. Um, and we couldn't have done it, obviously, with the help of all our volunteers, but especially our park staff and leadership. And so just want to extend my gratitude to Mariano and Jonathan for their leadership on ND1. Um, they're always available and accessible, and um, they just make everything so much easier and smoother. And so I am so delighted to work with them. And so just want to share that. I know I think Mariano's going to wean out of like his weekends. I think they, and I was like, Who's, who am I going to be working with now? Um, but um, we do have an event coming up um, on the 11th. We're going to be doing a beautification project at North Point Park. So just if anyone wants to join, <laughs> follow me on Instagram. <laughs> You'll know. <laughs> Thank you, Commissioner Forge. I did. Would you like to say what your Instagram is? I believe it's D One Commish. Yes, it's. Um... I don't have a lot of followers, so I need <laughs> District One uh, Commissioner. That's the handle. <laughs> Heard it here, folks. Thank you. Wonderful. Thank you, Commissioners. Our next item is Commissioner comments, ideas, and questions. Commissioner Herman. To do the first Thursday of every month and would like to meet the second Thursday of every month, but I'm not sure how I propose it and whether it's best for the rest of my commissioners, whether it's anything we actually can do on our own. And I just wanted to that's my idea slash question, all in one. Director or clerk, would either of you like to answer that one? We can take that feedback back to the clerk's office. I do know that almost every evening um, the, the chambers are booked with meetings, so it might be very difficult to accommodate, but we can certainly explore that with the um, clerk's office for the upcoming year. Okay, and can you pull the commissioners? Because I don't want like you to look into it if no one except me wants it to move, and I then you know, that's my tough luck. But um, uh, if it was something that the other commissioners would also like, then I would be more interested in trying to push it forward. But either, either and. Sure, yeah. Thank you. That may be, sorry, this is bad for um, But if, like, you can, since there's other meetings, if we just know, like, it, it's either the first Thursday or the fourth Friday, then we'll be like, sorry, Commissioner Herman, we're not going to do it on the fourth Friday. Um, so if you have those dates, and then we can, like, vote on that. <laughs> yeah. Not on Friday. Thank you, and thank you for bringing it up. I do uh, know we've had the same request from some other commissioners, so you're yeah, not Yeah, like, if it's on the first of the month, I'm just like, really? But, yeah, thank you. Thank you. Commissioner Robbins? Yes, I have a few things. Um, I just want to readdress the uh, parks plan coming up 2024. Like the director said, uh, let the public know that we are addressing the natural areas um, problem we had a couple of months ago in the meeting. So we would love to have everyone's voice heard on this going on uh, early 2024. We will have a chance for you to have your voice here, but also say that we do have in our current plan, there's uh, provides overcharge framework of 
saving these open space uh, facilities and you know the parks is uh, parks is working really hard and we don't want to let you know that we are not working uh, at all i mean you guys are working your tails off and uh, jackie if you had anything to add to the current plan that they could show or offhand that no like you you're working really really hard don't i don't want them thinking that, oh they forgot about us you know and just we would love to have them come back and let us know what their thoughts on but real quick did you have anything you could add to the current plan um, what I can say around, you know, at this juncture around um, natural areas or nature areas, and that's part of the issue is it's not clearly defined. Mm -hmm. um, I think that's part of what the outcome of the parks plan will be, right, is to is a directive for us to or mission for us to really define um, what those open spaces or unidentified areas are. Are they natural areas? What is a natural area? Is it a nature area? What is it? What are these different areas designated as? Because the, the definition varies. Um, Right now, the efforts are, are very baseline just because of limited resources to fire mitigation and trash cleanup. Um, those are happening in all of those areas, however they are designated or defined at this point, but there's a lot of work that our team needs to do that will require additional time and resources for staff, and it's certainly a priority for us. Um, but if, if um, you know, the community and, and this commission, our constituents, um, you know, really demonstrate um, through that feedback that that's a priority and really making sure that we're investing those resources in those, in those areas, um, then it's something that would be reflected in the parks plan moving forward. So as our team continues to bring updates to the commission and to the community, we'll make sure to include more of that background as, and as much information as we can. We're really trying to, as we're getting these questions and hearing feedback, um, provide information that, um, that really lays everything out for the community and be really transparent in what our levels of service are and what sort of things we're doing currently and where we're having some challenges with resources or staffing and, um, and what timelines look like. So um, we're hopeful that, that we can continue to stay on top of that and maybe develop some new processes in, in the new year for how we're logging some of these items and making sure that we're getting back to our commissioners and our constituents in a timely way. Thank you so much, Director. Mm -hmm. Like I said, you're working really hard, and just like park staff, you guys are working very hard, I know, because I'm in constant contact about uh, Course Guard Land Park. There's always ongoing issues, and so um, I just want to thank you guys again because Swift service and everything. But uh, once again, um, we have an issue ongoing at Gardland Park. We have a backstop over there with the, the baseball that it's not being used, but it's a hiding place for people who use drugs and the local neighbors are complaining that they're constantly getting syringes thrown in their yard and how can we address this? And it's just basically a blind spot that our park rangers are not seeing, our park staff are not seeing, so they can't report it. And so I had the crazy idea of uh, going back to the last meeting. We had the good guys versus good guys. We had the disc golfers versus the natural area. So maybe possibly convert this into a disc golf area where we remove the backstop and put a cyclone fence over there. Then we have another uh, sport. It would be the first disc golf court in uh, disc three, uh, District 3. And to give someone else, like we said, the L&L was here earlier. They take ownership of what they use. So if they had a park to go to, and they would take ownership on it. And that would be another thing to make our park staffs work less. You know, our park rangers work less because it's ongoing making um, our people happier. It's uh, just like pickleball recently. Like, you put a pickleball line in a tennis court, then you have pickleballers coming out and taking ownership. So that was just my crazy idea to see how we could possibly make that happen and probably discuss that in a future date. And so that's a crazy. Commissioner Robbins idea <laughs> fantastic idea Commissioner thank you for sharing Commissioner Liu
the cable and post and and uh, some of those trail bullards. Do you have any kind of like maintenance, like scheduling for any of that replacement or anything like that? So there's a lot of work that needs to be done before we can even begin addressing the maintenance issues out there in regards to the removal of some of these encampments. Right. Um, I may invite Sean up here. I don't know if he ha might have anything to add specifically. I know that he did provide um, some feedback um, to the chair and commissioner Lou on some of these items related to the trail. Um, but I think that there's going to need to be a more detailed assessment done, and I'm not sure that a timeline has actually been determined. Okay. Uh, Sean Ellsworth, Park Maintenance Manager. Could you go repeat it? it so it what kind of schedule? What kind of maintenance schedule are we looking at for like the the greening replant that from the from the damage that was done with the so homeless? Yes, we we then, we the, are eager to get that started, and of course, even more eager to see it completed in into its fruition. Um, as the director said, there is obviously the preparatory efforts to make sure the parkway is, is clear of encampments because obviously in that point it doesn't make sense to put something back in uh, when there's an encampment in that area and have to try and, and um, navigate through that. Um, so that is the first stage. And then, of course, the cleanup stage. Um, we do, again, have... Um, uh, the, the plans to bring it back to its original uh, condition. Uh, it was originally supported through a grant. Um, and at that, this point, we would obviously have to find a funding opportunity for that so that we could do that work. We currently do not have a funding mechanism okay. for that. Um, and again, going back for either the same grant or another grant um, obviously has... Um, you know, obviously conditions and so forth that we would have to address. But again, we're very eager. Um, we see that there was a great opportunity there once the uh, the encampments are removed. But um, again, a, a great deal of this is very determined on funding. So funding is the second source. Um, once we get to the point where the parkway is uh, ready for us to come back into. The cable and post for like the edging and stuff like that and the trail bollards, would, those would be still like a grant funded type of thing or is that under maintenance? I do not know the history of how those were installed. Um, I know the landscaping was. Um, what we're doing more frequently than the posting cable is using uh, landscape boulders. Um, they have the same effect as far as deterring vehicle uh, entrance into unauthorized areas. Um, and they're also a lot more uh, resistant to any sort of vandalism, um, where the posting cable sometimes serves as um, an easy means to disassemble it just because it's wood. Uh, if, you're, if you are determined to drive through it, they will drive through it. Um, uh, and again, sometimes those, and then it, sometimes it just disappears, but we've really had a lot of very good success with landscape boulders. Uh, a very good example would be that at Del Paso Regional Park, where you can see on the perimeter where the posting cable was, we have done the landscape boulders and they've worked extremely well for us. So that would probably be our first uh, look at that to make sure that it would be practical and make sense in that Again, it's economical and it does have a certain longevity that uh, the posting cable just hasn't demonstrated over time. Okay, so the, that 
So that whole thing, you'd have to go out there and look at it first. I mean, those well, those kind of bowl, uh, actually those uh, the boulders. I mean, is that something you got? What kind of scheduling can we get? What could we expect to like have some boulders if we were going to? Well, know? what I'd like to do is I'll, I'll take an opportunity with Jonathan Moscato, the superintendent. We'll take a look at that, see where we can prioritize the uh, placement of the landscape boulders. That's a lot easier than the posting cable as far as. Um, the acquisition of the boulders. We do have a source for the boulders that is local. Um, and so we do have a lot of opportunity to uh, look at the more uh, urgent areas and then replace those. So I think that's something reasonable that I could work with the director and the assistant director on making sure we, the, we have the funding for it. But again, after that point in time, it's pretty easy for us to get those initiated and installed reasonably quickly. Okay, and then the trail bollards on, on the on the trail, a lot of you see a lot of people driving cars onto the bike trail. Mm -hmm. Is that something that could get? I will double check um, the bollards generally that are placed within the uh, within the asphalted area or the concrete yeah, area. Right, right. Those fall to Public Works, okay. um, but I can definitely uh, reach out and then, of course, uh, contact with them about those. Um, and again, if they are the responsibility of YPSI, then yes, we would uh, see what we can do. Again, I would have to consult with the director and the assistant director about funding opportunities. Okay. All right. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. Um, thank you, Sean. And yes, um, we did receive a little bit of information, so thank you for explaining it to the public and for explaining it more. And from what I understand, it took multiple departments to clear out that encampment in a very long time. So for all the residents who've been waiting and waiting and yeah, waiting for it to be cleared out, and now that it's on Parks land, I hope that we can prioritize, and I would encourage you to prioritize replanting and bouldering and whatever it's going to take so that that encampment doesn't just pop back up um, immediately. I think something that is a multi-department um, lift, right, hopefully can be, maybe they can chip in some of their time and money to make sure that this doesn't happen again as well um, for our neighborhood that's been waiting for so long. So thank you yes. for bringing Yeah, we have, again, the easiest opportunity to look at um, opportunities to prevent uh, vehicular entry. That's probably the easiest place and where we could start uh, quite rapidly. Foot traffic in that sort, bicycle traffic, um, that, that's a whole different animal. But uh, we are anxious to get started on that and get that uh, back to its original condition. Again, there's a lot of preconditions to that, obviously, that are out of Yipsy's control, my right. personal control. So, thank you, Sean. Thank you, Jackie. Thank you. Thank you. And I just think thank you, Sean. I, and I do want to reiterate that the efforts at. Um, in this just one consolidated area, there's much more work that needs to be right. done there. Yeah, so, yeah. No, the whole yeah. thing, I mean, I understand. It's just, you know, squeaky wheels all the time going on. That whole, some areas are like, eh, and then other areas are like, hey, what's going on? And some, uh, it's, it's getting better, but, you know, I know that's yeah. um, kind of fluid. That and, whole, and it's yeah. based on what we've, and I also want to say that those are the efforts um, of the incident management team. So the public has awareness of that, that those are, the, the, the results of what that looks like when our city organizes, you know, uh, multiple um, departments and teams to respond to those efforts and rapid response. So a huge lift from our from our park safety team that actually takes them away also from their from their regular um, duties and responsibilities. Um, and so part of that is continuing to mitigate those issues and encampments from continuing to come back in because it still requires a process. So right. if somebody establishes in a camp overnight, uh, we are required to provide 24-hour notice. So we're, we, there's a process that we are required to follow. Um, so again, it will take some time, but 
we're seeing slow and steady progress and we'll continue to work with the community to address those issues. And is that um, on parks land is the 24 hour notice requirement? Yes. Okay, wonderful. Um, because I don't see anyone else in line, but I have the same question for Granite Regional Park. I know we've been able to clean up a lot of the illegal dumping on the hill, which made me so happy. Um, it is starting again a little bit on the right side towards the courthouse, um, but our encampments are still in full swing with um, you know a full on like wooden structure the size of like a, a playhouse. So I'm wondering what is a, an update for uh, Granite Regional's encampment? So I don't have an update on IMT response. Um, I can provide an update after this meeting and we have a check-in, but I would advise um, constituents, commissioners, um, anyone who um, sees any of these encampments to or an issue happening in a park um, to report it to 311. Um, that is how um, the incident management team is activated and rapid response um, you know, knows where to go um, based on that heat map and where we're getting those calls for service. So. Um, this is my urge to commissioners and the public to make sure that you're continuing to utilize the system. That's the only way that it works. So please make sure to report those through 311 so that they can be addressed and I can get an update on Granite for you after this meeting. I would like an update because I feel like when we talk about something like Granite Regional Park where it's gone on for so long that people no longer go there because they just don't feel safe and it's just kind of um, a place that's not surrounded by a neighborhood. It's a regional park tucked away down at a pit, down a street where there's hundreds of kids playing soccer, and then across the street, this you know encampment um, with a skateboard park. And so there's not any, um, and there's a nature area, and there's a dog park, right? But there's not that nightly like neighbor saying, oh, there's someone here. So how can we advocate for a park that has an encampment that is not ringed by houses? Like on a heat map, we saw that uh, because there wasn't a high concentration of residents when we did the field survey that it didn't you know shake out the same so how can we give priority to a place like that um again it, you know if you're at the park or frequenting the park i would encourage you to to report that to 311 i can follow up specifically on this location um you know we do have outside of um, incident management team and rapid response we do have park ordinances and 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 rules and regulations, and there is no overnight camping, right? So um, if you put in a regular call to 311 and we're able to dispatch a ranger, they can try and, try and address some of these issues. But where we have these larger, um, it, you know, um, um, issues, it, it requires a bigger lift of the team. So I've, I'll get an update for you. I don't have the information right now specifically on Granite. I know that there's um, multiple jurisdictions or property ownership involved um, there. Um, but certainly where there is, there are people on park property um, violating park ordinances, um, you know, we can try and do our best to address those issues. Fantastic, thank you. Commissioner Ford? Thank you. Um, one other thing that kind of came up in other conversations was just um, thinking about if there's an opportunity to put, like maybe a little presentation or like some type of like process or procedure about when community members want to propose a project um, or some type of initiative, um, what are those steps, right? Like, where do they start? Um, and then once it hits, like, myself, um, where do I take it from, right? And so I've been kind of puzzling, you know, on my own, but I'm wondering if other commissioners would appreciate, you know, more of a procedural walkthrough through that. Yeah, we'd be happy to provide um, some follow-up with the commission. We do have our park planning programming guide, park planning programming guide, um, that the public, it's available to the public, and it's actually a link where you can go and complete um, a form 
that where those, these requests are suggested, um, if it's around a, like a development or an enhancement or some sort of renovation to a park space, or if you want an added amenity somewhere, um, those go straight to our, our park planning development services team. And we also have park enhancement requests that if it's more on the maintenance end of things, um, those can be completed and shared with our, with our park maintenance team um, as well. So I'd be happy to provide more information to that to the commission and then of course make sure that that information um, is more forward facing and available to the public. Thank you. Well, thank you. All right. Um, for my comments and questions, we did request some flyers in Spanish to help recruit for the after school programs. I'm hoping we can get those um, if you're still looking for employees who speak Spanish. Um, I would like to establish like an official 916 day subcommittee so that we can start to get a regular committee together, assign some commissioners to it, get some city staff assigned to it who can be through the process all the way through to the end. We're about 10 minutes out from 916 day um, and that's gonna be our, our fundraiser of the year to work off this deferred maintenance, right? So that's our, our goal. So I'm hoping we can um, get that going. Um, and I would like to give a shout out to a McClatchy High School volunteer who's also a Girl Scout named Malia Preston, who walked around Land Park uh, with me and invited me to do some community service with her. And she used the 311 app and learned how to call 311 and how to use 311 on her phone. And she reported several uh, trees. One of them, two, actually maybe four of them had uh, transportation stakes still on them after their planting. And then three of them are very close to being deceased, sadly, at the uh, Mayor Ann Rudin Peace Pond. Um, so she was able to report them and understand how to engage with her community and I wanted to thank her for her community service. So that was my shout out for the evening. And I want to thank everyone for their participation this evening. Um, I don't know how we do public comment if they can't call in. Do we have any e-comments for public comment? Thank you, Chair. For a special meeting, there is typically no public comment for matters not on the agenda. Thank you. And um, Ms. Gore has informed us that we could add it back. So was the public able to use their um, e-comment during this time for public items? Um, I do not believe there's access to comment on not on the agenda right now because it's not on the agenda. Okay, so maybe we can work that out a little better next okay. time. Um, we do not have speaker slips right now for it, though. <laughs> Thank you for that clarification. Um, so earlier in the evening, when I changed the agenda to add the public comment, I did not realize that that wouldn't open up for folks at home. I do apologize, and I will do better next time to make sure that gets going. So thank you, everyone, for your participation. This meeting is adjourned.